0: Welcome Auburn into the
1: Monday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoie, the host of this program. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Brant Daughtry with me as we have a lot to talk about on this Monday following a undecisive but nevertheless victorious trip to California. Auburn winning 14-10 against Cal. We will have a complete breakdown of that game. Our thoughts on how the Tigers performed, what they could have done differently, what they will need to do differently going forward. We'll also talk about the whole weekend of college football. Of course, we expect to hear a lot of callers today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you want to give us a call today, I already got a full set of callers lined up. Uh, so be a little bit patient, if you will, but 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 9 Tiger and I are the numbers to call us here on this Monday afternoon. Again, we break down a lot of football this afternoon for sure. Ryan, Tom, and Brant with you here on this Monday. Start with you, Tom.
2: Hope you had a great weekend, sir. I did. Uh, I had a great weekend. and <clears throat> Yeah, we had Auburn win uh, it was a win. It will go down as a W on paper, but goodness gracious. Uh, oof. That's about all you can say about that is wolf, uh, at least on the offensive side of things. So, uh, But happy Auburn got Auburn got that W. Uh, big game across the state that uh, Texas dominates Alabama. Not used to seeing Alabama get dominated, especially in their own stadium, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, a lot of different moving parts going on in college football. And then uh, – Course first week of NFL and there's already crazy stuff going on there. Uh I know later in the week we'll have Joe Bartle on and discuss some things, but already some major injuries are kind of shaking some stuff up within the NFL, and I know it's affected uh, one of my teams is uh, JK <clears throat> JK Robbins is out for the year. But uh overall, yeah, good weekend. Uh and I'll just kind of leave you that. I know we got a lot of people want to talk especially about this Auburn game this weekend. Yes, sir. Brant Dauntry also on the program. Brant, how was your weekend?
3: My weekend was pretty good. Uh, Tom pretty much summed it up pretty well. I think this was a this was a win, and that's the most important thing, but a lot of things that Auburn has to improve on and will have to improve on rapidly uh, if they plan on having an even semi-successful year. Uh, I think the defense, which was what I was mostly concerned about, uh, played really well. Uh, this is a Cal team that – came in wanting to run the football and, and had run the football well so far this season, uh, even though it was just only one game. But I don't care who you're playing. You go on the road and you average 10 yards a carry. You've got an effective running game. So Auburn came in against a Cal team that knows how to run the ball and held them to a very average game. Uh, I, I mean, Jade Knott, I think the, the star running back, uh, who had over 200 yards? I think in that Week One game against North Texas, ended up averaging about four yards a carry, significantly less than what he got. He had, I think, he had over 10 a carry uh, in in Game One. So, uh, a great uh, nine nine yards carry. So, so either way, much a really good performance, better than, much better than expected on my end. Performance from the defense, uh, the offense though. Uh, left a lot to be desired, and I'm sure that's what we'll talk about. Uh, Something that we probably won't have time to get to uh, in the remainder of the show, so I'll mention it now, the Atlanta Braves have officially clinched a playoff spot. They are the first team in Major League Baseball to lock up a spot in the playoffs, and now they're going up against the Phillies, and if they take three out of four from the Phillies in this series, then they will win the NL East, and that's the next checkmark.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Then we're watching the, the Braves game right now in our studio. So I hope uh, they can pull it out against Philly and march closer to the one seed. But, yes, the conversation will be directed around football and, in particular, college football. We had NFL Week 1 that culminates tonight. We'll get to that later in the week, I'm sure. But, again, a lot of thoughts on Auburn and Cal, Alabama and Texas, and some other matchups this past weekend. Normally we would get right to our opinions, but uh, because we already have a full phone line and we expect a lot of calls today, we're going to go ahead and get to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Starting us off today...
0: Real Deal from Coosa County.
1: Real Deal is with us. Real Deal, how are you this afternoon? All right.
0: It's
4: like I told y'all, last Friday, what the deal is with Alabama, and... It's Tom Peter there.
1: Tom's here. Yeah, I'm here.
4: Okay, you know, Tom, about the Auburn game, I thought about what you said last year. An ugly win is better than a pretty loss. That's right. And a win is a win, but I'm going to get back to Alabama. I'm going to tell you all what I told you last Friday. Alabama going to lose some more games are all these talking-to-head sports call people fail to understand to call football. Now these players are getting paid. And let me tell you something else, y'all. might have noticed, and you might have not. Dion Summers have proved in the transfer portal, it really helps because Georgia blew out Ball State, but Ball State held Georgia in the first quarter, 0-0. Zero, zero. All it was is Ball State just didn't have enough athletes to keep up with Georgia. Now going back to Alabama, I understand that Nick Saban coaches the secondary. Okay, that's one problem. The next problem is on um, Paul Favre, sure the show that Alabama fans are just going crazy about you know how things isn't right. As long as they got this NRL transfer portal, everybody's going to have a chance to win. People keep saying that the SEC is down. No, the SEC isn't down. Everybody's getting great athletes, good athletes. Some schools might not be getting enough athletes, but everybody's getting great athletes. And I said, like I told y'all last Friday, it's not going to surprise me that Texas beat Alabama. Miro is a quarterback in a running back's body. He's not no quarterback. The touchdowns his scored, he just threw the ball as far as he could and told the wide receiver to run upon it. He can't read defenses. He just dropped back and when he sees that the rush is about to get him, he runs. That's not a quarterback. And Nick Saban tried to fool everybody giving the starting lineup, not telling who his quarterback was I knew his quarterback was because the other two quarterbacks was not going to be able to get away from the rush like Miro. and also Nick Fader knew this he knew all of this he knew exactly Miami Hurricanes they done got some more good players they do a good Texas A&M team it wasn't if Texas was bad Texas did a lot of bad things in the red zone. That's not Mamie's fault. That's part of the game. A lot of people are not saying, if Texas hasn't done this, if Texas hasn't done that, that's part of the game. But going back to Auburn, a win is a win, and people better realize the transfer portal is going to kill a lot of teams. You're going to see a lot of schools. People are saying that's are upsets, but they're not upsets. Trump State have a wide receiver catching balls like he was on a tight whip or just jumping off trampolines catching balls with one hand that was a kid from Shaw State they don't know where he was from he was a great wide receiver I'm going to hang up and get you guys comments War Eagle I know you got a calls. call
1: yes sir War Eagle appreciate that phone call that is Real Deal from Coosa County yeah to Real Deal's credit he called in uh, on, on Friday and mentioned the uh, his thoughts on the Texas-Alabama game, uh, he's obviously a big proponent of the, the portal. And again, we've not debunked or tried to debunk that. Uh, we, we still have some differences on, on ways to build programs, but it's clear the portal matters. No one on the show said it does not. Uh, but uh, yeah, most of those thoughts were not Auburn-related, so if uh, you Bama-Texas thoughts there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, Real Deal brings up a great point. Jaden Milrow uh, did look bad he looked really bad in that game and he's I, I don't know how good or bad Jaden Milroe is going to end up being Jalen Jalen Milrow excuse me uh, I, I don't know how bad he's going to end up being but if he continues to play like that then yeah Alabama's gonna lose more games he was not good enough and that's something that we haven't seen in Alabama in a while I mean who was the last Alabama quarterback to look that bad in a game that <laughs> I guess that wasn't played in Jordan-Hare Stadium uh, it, it, especially playing in Bryant-Denny like that's that is, I think I saw this is the first time Nick Saban's lost a home game by more than 10 points since, since like 2003 when he yeah. was at LSU, something <clears> ridiculous <throat> like that. So, this is, I, I don't know that I'm not going to declare the dynasty dead until Nick Saban is gone, but this, I mean, Alabama's fallen off a little bit. And to Real Deal's point, building through the transfer portal is going to close the gap between the top of college football and the middle. I think that you've got a lot of really good players that can come to come to other teams now, and I think that I think the portal overall is a good thing, and I think it does close that talent gap that real deal was talking about
2: yeah uh it, it does it, the the portal is definitely closing that talent gap uh the one thing with Milro that really caught my eye and this is something that Alabama fans are not used to because Tua was so good at it and Bryce Young was so good at it uh Milro just uh uh, Milro does not like to sit in the pocket. He uh and, and there's times that he's getting the protection and and he likes to scramble too early. He, uh, it sounds like something that we used to keep talking about with with Bow Nix and then TJ Finley and some of these other Auburn quarterbacks that uh belling out of the pocket too early and just trying to make something happen on the run instead of sitting in the pocket and letting things develop. Milrow, a lot of times he's trying to get out real a little bit too quick and it's causing him to make some throws that he shouldn't make and uh yeah, He it looked rough. Uh, he looked rough, and then their secondary, uh, I mean, Quinn Ewers just just picked them apart, and especially deep. I, I really liked Quinn Ewers' game and uh, the way that he played that game. He was really good at uh, using his eyes to pull a, a safety away from where he was actually going to throw it. I mean, he did that to him a couple of times and uh, kept hitting big plays on Bama. It's just uh, that was not a performance anybody is used to seeing in many, many years out of the Crimson Tide. I thought,
1: uh, since we are talking uh, Milroe right now, I think with him is that he, what the issue within the issue is, is he doesn't process things quickly enough right. uh, down the field. And when he is forced to speed up, he makes a, 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 a poor decision. The pathway to Texas winning that game was always make Milrow make big mistakes and then have Quinn Ewers be awesome. Quinn Ewers was awesome. He was, a tw- I think, 24-38, over 300 yards, a couple of long touchdown passes. And so he did his part. He played like he did in the first quarter uh, at Texas. I think the surprising parts are that Texas was not physically overpowered. That's been a theme, by the way, of all these SEC non-conference matchups, is that the SEC teams are not overpowering these other teams uh, with physicality. And in previous years, we would have just said, watch the line of scrimmage because this is where Alabama is going to get them or this is where LSU is going to get them or or whoever. And it's not gone that way. And that is what I think Real Deal is talking a lot about with the transfer portal is some of these guys that maybe were once SEC commits are now transferring to other schools. And – and so for that part of it is playing out exactly how he's saying it is. I think back on Milroe again, his problem is with, with the reading of defenses is that when that happens, his bad plays were really bad plays. Every quarterback has a bad read here, a bad read there, or has a, a, a bad throw at some point. And that goes into consistency, but it's more than just about – consistency versus inconsistency is when you have your bad play what does that look like for you and for Jalen Milrow his bad play is really bad because it was two interceptions that were just not seeing the Texas defender there essentially that led up led to Texas points and then several sacks a guy that fast shouldn't be getting sacked too often but the Bama offensive line was not great, and he would be late to react. I actually thought, yes, you could say sometimes he left too early. Sometimes he left too late. No. It was all of it. Uh, and, and maybe underestimated Texas' speed on defense. And so quarterbacks have bad plays, but the great quarterbacks, their bad plays is a throwaway. Or, oh, I threw it a little too short and the ground. Well, the ground can't intercept the pass. Only something too high can. Uh, and, and with Milrow, his bad plays were much more detrimental because they were big-time negative plays actively uh, against the success of Alabama. And so, again, credit Texas because it was more than just those two things. Like I said, the physicality was was much better than I would have thought it was. Alabama did not run the ball very well either. They tried. They were pretty balanced in play calling. They did not run over, overwhelmingly well. Which is something they want to do more of this year. In Texas, while they didn't run well, they ran okay in key spots, uh, and in particular that last drive, milk in the last six or seven minutes, whatever off the clock. Uh, but yeah, no, that was a a concern for them going in. Was if you pressured Milrow, what would happen? And uh, he has not improved from that Texas A in game last year. And that's another thing I think we could have another conversation about in college football is. Show me the guys that are actively improving a lot from year to year because for some reason right now I need to go do, do a deep dive. There doesn't seem like there's as many guys that are improving as you want them to. Uh, I can think of a couple quarterbacks in the country, uh, one that obviously had a relationship with Auburn with Bo Nix that's improved over collegiate time. But I feel like some of these guys that you said, I don't know about them, but we'll see if he improves in year two. A lot of those guys in these situations have not been improving recently, and I don't know if there's a bigger picture story there or not or if it's just a recency bias. But you know, Jalen Milrow, you would have thought, could have had an opportunity to improve, and so far it it does not appear like there was uh, any improvement there. We're going to take our first time out of the show today. When we come back, we have more phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401, locally or toll free, one 9 tiger 9 Back with more of your phone calls right after this.
0: Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Doctory, e. Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. A lot of phone calls to get to, so let's keep it going. On the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up,
0: Matt from Tallahassee.
1: Matt is with us. Matt, how are you this afternoon?
5: Hey, Ryan. Hey, brilliant.
2: Hey, Matt. Hi Tom. Hey, what's up? Where's your girlfriend
5: at? Oh. She
2: didn't come today. <laughs> she did not come today. She's still at work. She
5: like
2: owes us two hundred and fifty dollars each. All right, I, I'll make sure I tell her. She might be listening, so uh, but I'll let her know. Hi
5: Michelle. <laughs> hey, hey, I got something to say. Hey, hey, mama, you just got texted. Hey.
2: Texas Longhorns pizza, the uh,
5: hell you. Go Longhorns! There you go. Yeah. Hey,
2: uh, and another thing. Uh. That FSU or the Braves? Because the Braves just won. Right. <laughs> okay. There we go. Yeah, Braves. Uh, yeah, Braves just won just a second ago. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Hey, I
5: want to talk about like uh. I want to talk about the game, the Auburn game this week. Is like uh, I know they changed up the lineup, I, um, linebackers, but I want to talk about Javante Hunter. He he wasn't doing too good in the first half. He fumbled the ball. Is it because he sat out that like the first game, or
2: Jarquez? Yeah. I, I, I don't know that it was necessary. They, I mean, Hugh Freeze said that he thought that there may have been a little bit of rust there, but, I, you know, I don't think it was that. I, I think it was just overall that offense was struggling just to get any sort of anything going, any sort of momentum or anything. They just couldn't get it through the air or through the ground. And, then they
5: make, and Brent, and the other fumble, Auburn, I thought Auburn recovered the other fumble.
3: And. I, I, I thought that every turnover that was called was called the correct way. I, I thought that Auburn lost all of those fumbles legitimately.
5: And so, so, so uh, and I, another thing, I was reading um, that the a four-star linebacker, he's committed to Alabama, but he's coming for a visit. So you think he'll come to Auburn or not?
3: I've got no idea. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, you get into the season like this and Recruiting really takes a back seat, at least uh, for for us. Obviously, recruiting is important all year round for the coaching staff, but uh, I I have the policy of I don't really pay attention to recruits until a guy is committed to Auburn. So that's uh, okay. that's where I'm that's where I am on that.
5: Okay. Another question is um, is Auburn like how uh, is Auburn favored and how big are they favored in this game? And is there a way? If they win this week, could they be in the top 25? And then if Bama loses, say, two or three more games, they're at the SEC championship game, right?
3: Well, first of all, Bama's got to lose some SEC games before they get eliminated from the SEC championship. They are certainly not in a good spot for the playoff though at least as it stands right now but still a lot of season left. Uh Auburn could beat Samford but I I don't know how much Auburn's favored by but I imagine it's by a lot. Yeah. Uh, if they if they cover comfortably then maybe there's a chance they crack the top 25 but I wouldn't count on it. Uh, I still think they're a win over Texas A&M away from that happening. Uh but I I I don't know. It's possible. So so like
5: to so op- this is a question for of you guys. Say Auburn beats Stanford, okay. Okay. So the next game, the next game is against
3: Texas A and M at Texas
2: A and M.
5: Okay, so say Auburn beats Texas A and M, and then then Auburn has to play Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Okay, so we lose to Georgia, but but we have to play we had to play. Then we have to be Say we beat Mississippi State. Uh, Arkansas, well, I know we'll beat LSU, but say, and like, and say we lose to Georgia, what do you see probably Auburn ranked? And then if Bama loses uh, and stuff like that, do you probably see Auburn maybe in a top 10 or top 25?
3: I I don't think Auburn is going to be a top 10 team by the end of the season. I think they're a top 25 team, perhaps, uh, we'll have to see when we get there, Matt. Hey, just t- just enjoy this. Just enjoy the games as they come. Let's not look too far ahead. Let's take it one week at a time, and we'll see where we are uh, at, at on every Monday.
5: Well, this play I'm talking about, linebacker, he committed to Alabama like uh, May 11th. He's a yeah. four-star. I can't think of his name, but and so so. But what? Hey, what time of the game? I got a game. I got a baseball game in Georgia this week.
1: I believe the game is at uh, six thirty this weekend, I'll double check, but I know it's a I know it's an evening game.
5: Yeah, my game's at one o'clock in Georgia, so
1: That's it's six o'clock. Six o'clock this Saturday.
5: Under the uh,
2: under the lights in Jordan here.
5: So so if, if I mean okay, let me go I'm gonna do i i ask you guys a Brave question down, we'll try to do some trivia if we can. Um so if the Braves win the second a doubleheader and who would they play in the uh playoffs would they play would it would be like would it be uh the, the Mets or the Cubs? do you guys
1: do we know it would be it they'll have a buy and it would be between the Phillies and the Cubs right now uh, but it's still possible that could change in the next three weeks, but as of now they'd be bracketed to play either the Phillies or the Cubs.
5: Uh, okay, um, I saw that. I saw one game that uh, the man, the Braves manager, got ejected. And was he calling? Was it cause of uh, Ron Acuna Jr. or was it like the bad bad call or something like that?
2: Yeah, there there was some uh, back and forth between the Braves and the Pirates. Uh, Acuna got pitched in really close uh and and then i think another player got hit and yeah it just it was it was a lot of jaw jawing back and forth and snitker ended up getting kicked out
5: okay, so what do you guys think about the Braves retiring andrew jones's number
2: i think it
1: was a really good thing yeah and uh was a really good player he, for them he deserved it and he was a, a great brave for about nine or ten years there and uh yeah i thought it was really cool
5: well, you have to go, you have to say, like, when like, they had both of the Jones boys, Chipper and Andrew, they had a good team. And, yeah. And, and, and that stuff. So, how was this in Turkey? Let me see. What well, do kind of do How about, how about, how about, mm, 90s music? How about that?
1: 90s music. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to, I, uh. I don't know if I have anything off the top of my head. If either of you guys do, feel free to
5: If you guys don't, I can I can do I can do movies. We Our have or country. country.
1: We have uh we have done movies recently though. Um
5: yeah, have been have you done the country?
1: Have we done what?
5: Country
1: Like country music?
5: Yes.
1: I don't I don't recall. I don't think so. Yeah, I you guys have any kind of trivia? Uh let's just do the let's just do the, the music trivia.
5: Okay.
1: Uh Smells Like Teen Spirit was a number one hit from which band?
5: Repeat repeat that question?
1: The song Smells Like Teen Spirit was a number one hit from which band?
5: Which band? Yep. Like college bands?
1: Uh no. Like a like a musical band. Like a like a performing uh touring band.
2: Rock band. Yeah. yeah.
5: Rock band. I wish I kiss, but that's not
3: it. Not in the nineties. A little bit a little bit after Kiss time. A little bit
5: out Kiss's time. Uh, uh I can't think of would rather bat.
1: It was Nirvana. Nevada. Nirvana. Nirvana.
5: Ah, oh, remember that song in the
1: nineties. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were they were big in the nineties. Who was the lead singer of the group? No doubt. No doubt.
5: Yep. That's a that's a country that's a country singer.
1: No, nope. uh, you asked for nineties music trivia. Oh,
5: nineties music. Ninety. Okay, 90s 90, 90 music. Uh, I haven't heard that song. Either. <laughs> it's a
1: band. It's a group. No, The group was no doubt, oh. and I'm asking for the lead singer. She's on The Voice right now.
2: She's married to a country singer. She is. She's married. I
5: was going to say tonight playing. That's not it. Um, Carrie Underwood,
2: no. Faith Hill, no. If I said the name Gwen, would you, would you get it? Gwen? Gwen. I don't
5: know hmm. name Gwen.
1: It's Gwen Stefani.
5: I don't, I've never heard that song.
1: <laughs> uh, again, that's a that's a a person, not a song. But uh, all right, okay. one one more then. Uh, which musical artist sang the theme of the Titanic, which was "My Heart Will Go On"?
5: That's I, Twain, right there.
1: Close, but not quite.
5: Uh. I
1: was gonna say A.
5: Wood, that's not it. Is. No. Uh, is it? A, is it a female? Yes. It is a female. So it's
1: not Sonaya. It's
5: not. It's not churchy, Wood. Not River McIntyre. Can You give me a, like a hint.
0: Can you uh, give
1: me a... Do you all have another uh, a hint for the answer to this?
2: I don't know. Uh the initials are CD. Yeah. She's not she is not a country singer. She's more of a pop. You said
5: a CD? Yeah,
2: her her initials are CD. Her first name begins with C, her last name begins with a D. Karen
5: Underwood? No. Celine? C- Celine Celine Dion.
2: Yep.
1: There, there you, you go.
5: go. Oh man.
1: Yeah, those are tough ones. You'll get uh, better luck next week.
5: Well, hey, um, the guy that I called earlier, uh, the one, the first caller before me.
1: Real deal, yeah.
5: Yeah, I don't know what I don't think he knows what he he's talking about. I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but uh, he needs to like what my dad tells me is like, listen, like. Read, read something about Albert or something, and then you can like, answer, ask questions and stuff. Like that that's what he needs to do. And to listen more often, like to me and James and Wardown Steve, and these other callers. I'm not trying to be mean, but he needs to, like to work on his history.
1: All right, then I think uh, I think yeah, we're all, we're all right with Real Deal though. We're 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 good with that. Uh, but Matt, we got to let you go. We're out of we're out of time today. All
5: right, Warrior. Hey, Tom, tell Michelle I said you're going to get her on the show next Monday.
1: I'll see what I can do. Warrior, Matt. Hope you have a great week. That is Matt from Towsie, Matt for Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to take our next break of the program. Matt more Sports call right after this.
0: May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is, Hi. My, name is Hi. my name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. We continue to go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 889 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show this afternoon, Ward Damn Steve. For Ty Wardam, Steve is with us. How are you this afternoon?
6: I'm doing much better, guys. Thanks for uh, uh, your concerns. Uh, how are you guys doing?
2: Uh, doing quite yeah, well. hanging in there.
6: Hanging in there. Well, I was doing more than hanging in there. I almost spit out my drink on the very first play that uh, Mr. Peyton Thorne goes and hands off uh, the ball to a uh, opponent on the Cows uh, team, guys.
1: Yeah, no, that was a freak play along the sideline. It set the tone for a, uh, for a uh, rough night offensively, for sure.
6: And that was a, another major statement, a rough night. I'll tell you how rough it was. Um, I was, let's say, uh, uh, I ran out of profanities. (laughs) Okay, I ran out of profanities. Uh, And in fact, I want to ask you uh, guys—you know that uh, those three nos that Michael uh, uh, says on uh, the Office, Steve Carell—is that available to uh, on a recording? Or you can get on an app and just constantly play it and play? it So we have the yell, (laughs) no, no,
1: no. Yeah, I'm sure you could find it and uh, record it and, and get and get it going on loop.
6: Because I got tired of saying, get is you know, ass. So I kept saying, no, 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 no. Uh, guys, I know, you know, as Al Davis said, a win's a win, baby. But holy crap, uh, this was not what I was expecting. And you guys were making the predictions of this game. As it turned out, Either neither was I. Except Cole Kubelik thought it was going to be like a – uh, I think you said the 21 some score. Yeah. Uh, good lord, guys. I mean, uh, I know it was on the road, but Cal is not uh, an SEC team, uh, and I want to know: did we forget until the fourth quarter how to throw a forward pass?
1: Well, okay, a couple things there. So, I mean, one. I am not
6: blame but but thank you for letting me in. This is my therapy hour. Huh.
1: Uh, couple, a couple things. So, one, yes, we, we totally got the type of scoring wrong. We we, I think all of us thought it would be fairly high scoring, if not very high scoring. I, I talked all week how I thought. It would be over the 55, and I was dead wrong about that. Uh, it was clearly nothing of that sort. I did, however, and I think all of us also said to some degree that it would be a, a close-ish game. I mean, I think we all thought it would be a one- or two-possession game. Obviously, Cal leading a lot of it, you know, maybe that was not our projection. But the the people that were saying it was going to be a three- or four-touchdown game, and I know there were some podcasters and stuff uh, thinking that, and some analysts even that was always a little bit uh, dismissive of uh, of maybe too too much into what Auburn did against UMass and too uh, dismissive of what Cal did against North Texas. Now the game still played out far differently than those games, but I think it was pretty clear that Cal was a little more competent than the thought was going into it. And this also the notion, and we really barely hit on it in the in the first segment but it's going to be something that we talk more about later on the show if not today this week is that look for 10 15 however many years it's been 100 percent true sec the best conference the most physical conference best athletes all the above i'm not sure that this season that's true and the sec has not done well in these head-to-head matchups and a lot of them have been perfectly fine matchups to assess that in LSU Florida State was a fine matchup to assess that in Alabama Texas was a fine matchup to assess that in uh even I would say North Carolina and South Carolina to some degree on neutral for uh neutral field excuse me was a fair matchup to assess that in and the SEC has not checked those boxes they've won a couple of the smaller games obviously the Sovereign Cal game and then uh Mississippi State Arizona but the yeah, SEC,
6: what about that, Ron? Excuse me. Mississippi State had to go to overtime at home right, to
1: win. Right, right. Uh, they they blew a lead there. And, and so the SEC ha- has been 100%. There's no revisionist history. It, it has been true. They have been the dominant conference. They've been more physical. But this year, I think it is different. And what that means long term, I don't know yet. And it, Because, I mean, heck, the, the conference that's looking the best to be truthful right now is the Pac-12, and they won't exist next year. Ha- as, as, as a, now. Yeah, as 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 ro- ironic as it is, the Pac-12 is looking as good as any conference this year so far. Uh, so I, I I would say that the physicality thing again in July would have been very shocking. What we've seen these last two weeks, though, it's now signifying that the physicality is not necessarily a whole lot different. Uh, it's very much team to team. Uh, and, and so that is why, look, even though you said, like you said, you know, Cal's not SEC school, et cetera, I, th- that has not meant as much this year. The SEC is not pushing around these other conferences when they're playing ACC teams and Pac-12 teams and all that. So uh, it has been a different dynamic this year, for sure.
6: Well, at least our defense showed up, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Defense is awesome. God, thank
6: God for one particular player at least who got a co defensive player of the week. That's yep. Rosante, right?
2: Eugene yeah. Asante, that, yep. that that dude was an absolute beast in that game. Thank
6: God for him. And he played hardly anything last year.
2: Uh, he played a few games in week 1 and then he was on scout team.
6: Yeah, he was on scout team. And uh, Marcus Harris, he played an excellent game.
2: Yeah. Uh defense defense played lights out. Yeah, uh, I, I mean they they saved, they saved the game cuz The the offense sure as hell didn't.
6: Okay. Speaking of offense, guys, you know, one thing I can say right now that I'm appreciative of uh, Coach Freeze is he's bluntly honest. And he said it at the the post-conference comments. He said, this ain't going to get it.
2: No. Well, we
6: know it ain't going to get it. But I got to ask you guys, you know, these packages who are running in, I mean, I've never coached in my life. But I knew, okay, here comes do Robbie Ashford? What are we going to do, guys?
2: Run the ball. He ain't ball. throwing
6: it. He ain't throwing it. And when he does try to throw it, it might be an interception.
2: Yeah, and Freeze said today that he that he did not like the the looks that Auburn was given with that, and that uh, that that's not how he expects the. If you're going to run that two quarterback system, that's not how he was expecting that to go. And so, I, I have a feeling that's probably about to be done. If Robbie has packages, I think it's going to be with Peyton Thorne out there on the field. Uh, I I just and, and I I don't like the two quarterback systems. I think you I think you really kind of mess up your rhythm and, and, and everything. And then of course you saw some confusion. There were times that Thorne was out there looking like he was taking plays, and then Robbie came out, and the play yeah, clock was already getting well, low. And
7: well,
6: what the, about that? Yeah, those are things practice, that can't be. That can't you know, happen. for these scenarios, and I said you're burning timeouts. First, Thornton comes out. I don't know which, which uh, series that was, what quarter. And then here comes Ashford. Then Ashford goes back out, here comes Thornton. I said, this is organized chaos. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah.
3: That's, that, to me, was the most disturbing part of the whole thing. You want to run a two-quarterback system, I don't like it, but I understand why Auburn's doing it. And it, it, But if you're going to do it, you better have a plan, and you better know what that plan is when you send that next quarterback in. They, they were going to send in Robbie, and then they didn't have a play call ready. And that's when they had to burn that timeout. And that, to me, is the kind of thing that – that it, it says you don't have a plan. It says you're not organized. You were, you were not ready in that moment, and that, to me, was the most disturbing thing that I saw uh, in that game.
6: So who's accountable for that kind of nonsense, guys, and that chaos? Is it the offensive coordinator or is it Hugh Freeze or what? It's
3: it's every it's everybody who coaches the offense. Hugh yeah. Freeze is culpable. Uh, Philip Montgomery is culpable. Uh, I, honestly, I think I think it comes down to those two. I think those two are the ones that you have to point the finger at. And look, it, it, everyone everyone who's defending it is saying, "Hey, it's game two; they'll get it figured out." That's absolutely true. If it if yeah. it if it is that this is this is the one time we see things like that, then it's forgivable. But if it continues going forward, Auburn's going to lose games because of it.
6: And I can't believe I thought there was no way he got this, but uh, I saw the stats that Thorne was nine of fourteen. I thought he really completed that many passes because uh, it must have been all in the fourth quarter. And he looked at times like you know, he was uh, mean—really lacking confidence. I mean, he looked uh, and sometimes intimidated, scared. And I don't know what to do. I said, "This, this is not a professional quarterback. He's played for two years at a Michigan, uh, Michigan State—you know—Power Five school. Why is he behaving like this?"
2: Yeah, no, I—I I, I think that. Go ahead, Tom. I, I mean, I didn't want to interrupt. My my thing is this: I don't think he looked. I, I never thought he looked scared or intimidated or anything. Uh, well, he he just
3: well, he he was not. Well, he looked uncomfortable.
2: He was uncomfortable. I I think he realized that he was not throwing the ball good, and maybe that in his head. But the other thing is, the wide receivers were not getting open. They they were really struggling to find open areas for him to throw the ball to, and then when he was getting some throws, you know, he had the one that sailed a mile high on him that ended up getting intercepted. Yeah. But but I mean, he the receivers were not doing him any favors uh, getting open, and and so you know I, I don't I can't put all that blame at, at his feet when a, when there's nobody to throw it to, then you're you're kind of stuck. But he was also guys, not, th- but he was also not throwing the ball well when he was throwing it.
6: Yeah, this was not the guy who threw for six thousand yards at Michigan State. Uh, that was not what I. Was, and yet, you know, we are fortunate as all get out to have uh, Mister Fairweather catch that third and seventeen. I yeah. says this ain't going to work out, and he barely catches it on his shoelaces from yeah. hitting the ground. Right.
1: No, that was that was. Everyone's going to remember the touchdown because that's the ultimate points that won in the game. But that was the most important play of the game, was the third and 17. And it's almost like it reminded me of 2010 Iron Bowl, where everyone remembers the kirkin touchdown. But what people also have to remember is there was a fourth and about eight or nine right. where Darvin Adams made a catch after they went for it. Yeah. Uh, Cam was kind of in a quasi-punt formation, then actually threw it, and Adams caught on an out route against the sideline. That place enabled the rest of that drive. That fair weather play enabled what would then ensue and become the play of the game. And it was a hell of a play. It was a kind of a back shoulder of sorts, and he went diving to the ground for it. And, uh, again, it was a, an unbelievable uh, catch under the circumstances and the d- degree of difficulty for someone that di- I don't think had a catch coming into that drive to have the two yeah. biggest catches and plays of the game was, was
3: inc- and inc- that, incredible. Yeah. And yeah. another thing, to to Peyton Thorne's credit, I thought they were both pretty good throws as well, very difficult throws that he made.
2: That the 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 now the 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 touchdown throw I thought was great the the third down throw, uh a I don't think should have been thrown because Fairweather was double covered and there's a third that was right there in the vicinity so he's trying to put one in a crowd and it was underthrown Fairweather had to stop and kind of come back and reach low for it so it was kind of an underthrown ball that Fairweather made a play on but <clears throat> I don't know that I I I'm wondering if they go back and look at the film on that and they're like hey, you know, we got away with that one, Fairweather made the catch, you know, but you, that may not have been the best decision because, like I said, Fairweather had two people surrounding him and a third right there in the vicinity.
6: And one thing I can say on a positive note for, for, for this team, uh, they were not quitters. They never gave up. You know, I didn't oh, see yeah. any people on the sidelines, you know, uh, you know, trash-talking the other ones or blaming, pointing fingers, you know. Uh, in fact, I read where uh, – who was it? Asuki, yeah, went uh, to the offensive side and said – We got
1: this. Yeah, love that kid already. He is uh, he's already been been awesome, and uh, that that defensive performance because they not only were they on the field a lot because of short offensive possessions,
6: field goal range several
1: times. Right, they they were on the field because of turnovers on the wrong side of the field, and were still holding the field goal attempts, which was which were ultimately missed for the most part, and 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 so that defense. What was unbelievable, unbelievable
6: right now, guys? You tell me if I'm wrong, but right now, I'd rather have Devari Austin and Jeremiah Cobb running.
1: You know, I I would say that they're all pretty neck and neck. I know Hunter's fumble was at a very pivotal time, Austin also had a fumble, but this is why I talked a little bit about it in the offseason, Steve. Where like I understand that the the desire to get Jarquess Hunter back, but this is a really good backfield, like Austin was a big time recruit too. They they're talented runners. I still think Jarquez Hunter will be very productive, but I also have faith that if Jarquez Hunter's not out there, I don't think the productivity changes much. So uh, I understand that fumble was at a very important time, uh, but but I think all of them had their moments. All three of those guys had their moments. We didn't really see much of Batty. I think he only had one carry on the night. But th- those other three guys all had productive moments.
6: And about that, guys, I read a stat from one of the ESPN. I didn't know this, but until what happened Saturday night, in since 2018, it said that teams that had had four more turnovers in a game uh, and had less than 15, I think, um, first downs. Offices, yeah, uh, first downs. One in yep. 65. Oh, one in 65. Yep.
2: It was a, they beat <laughs> They yeah, beat they, thoughts. Yeah.
6: You you're not supposed to win this kind of game, are you guys have no. uh, Auburn Auburn played,
2: Auburn yeah. was not supposed to win that game in any sort of way. They they just were not. Uh, Cal gifted them, well, we know nine points just because of the missed field goals. Right. Uh, the, the officiating. The officiating. Four points the, off the board the on of, the
3: first game. The, the, first the, play the, of the, the game. officials,
2: by waving his hands in there took a touchdown off the board yep. for him.
6: Well, let me ask you about that. Should that have been a touchdown? Yes. Pass? Yes. Absolutely. That should have been
2: a touchdown for Cal. That was absolutely 100% a yep. Cal touchdown. That That's why officials always should let the play
1: go. And I know it can slow the game down to have to review it and bring it back, but that's why they're taught if it's questionable on a fumble or any sort of play like that, you let the play develop uh, so that you can have the proper run back. But, yes, no, that, that should have been a touchdown.
6: Well, I'll give you an opposing interpretation from one of the guys that says he's a sports analyst. He said that by the rules, since he didn't have complete control of the ball and there was no possession, and so because he went out of bounds – with no clear uh, possession, wasn't a fumble, so it should have gone to Auburn.
2: No. That's no, wrong. That, that, that's I completely don't know wrong. what that person I don't know what he yeah, that, that Thorn, I mean, Thorne was running the ball, so he yeah, had possession Thorn, of it. Thorne
3: yeah. got the snap, ran, and lost it as he was going out of bounds, yeah. but he was not out of bounds when he lost it, and then it never right. touched the ground right. before it ended yeah. up in if the Cowboys' hands.
1: He would not have had to possess the ball for it to be dead if he was touching out of bounds and it just touched him. Then my understanding is that then the ball would be dead because it's touching a player that's out of bounds. But he had already lost control and was not touching him when his foot hit out of bounds. And the cow player had not stepped out of bounds and did not step out of bounds while possessing the ball. That should have been a touchdown, plain and simple.
6: Okay. Well, and then last thing uh, for course, Steve, then we, the, we're up
1: against the hour break. Uh,
6: James, congratulations! The Cowboys uh, took the out to the woodshed in the rain. Forty. 40- to nothing.
1: Yeah, that was a unbelievable whooping, absolute whooping.
6: Uh, I think I read somewhere that hadn't happened uh, since I don't know when that uh, the Dallas Cowboys had uh, blanked somebody uh, that that badly.
1: Yeah, their defense looks scary. I don't. I still don't know about the offense. One game's not going to tell me that for Dallas, but I do know that their defense is going to be really, really good this year.
6: And Ron, your man, your man, Mr. Brady, went on the field for the. Eagles game. Did you see the video? I just saw it, and he tears open uh, a shirt he was wearing, and underneath it was the New Patriots jersey that he used yeah. to wear, number twelve.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's awesome. I think it was great that they were honoring him, and uh, they should, and and I, obviously he should love the time he had there. It was incredibly successful and and fulfilling.
6: But they lost the game anyway.
1: They did, but they played Philadelphia. Philly's really good, and they, they gave, your, gave your them a bucks close
6: game. Came through. Your bucks came through.
1: They did. Mr. Tate
6: Bigsby scored the winning touchdown for the Jaguars.
1: Uh, yep, scored in that one, yep.
6: And Daniel Carson, I read, uh, hit a 52-yarder. I Andrew. The winning field Anders Carlson. Oh, yeah, yeah, Anders. Yeah.
2: Anders. Yeah. Anders hit yep. a 52. Yep. And the
6: USA men's basketball team couldn't even medal. They lost to Canada, and Germany won.
1: Yep, an yeah. unbelievable game from Dylan Brooks. He's not usually capable of that, yeah. and he'll probably d- never do hey, that again.
6: Coco, uh, she won it all. All right, yep. guys. Thank you for running the ramble. Whew, I feel so much better now. <laughs> all right, uh, we'll do this again hopefully uh, tomorrow, guys. Until then, have a safe afternoon and uh, War Eagle. No matter what the game score was.
1: Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. War Eagle. See. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Damn Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic. No, uh, Noah
2: Igbeguniging with a. Uh, Touchdown return. I'm sorry, what now? Noah no. Ig-
1: Igbenogany? Igbenogany. What
2: did I say? Something Not else. That. <laughs> Igbenogany. No, don't worry about Iggy. it. Iggy. Noah Iggy.
1: Iggy. Igbenogany Igbenogany, Igbenogany. Igbenogany. With a touchdown in that Dallas game. We are out of time for hour number one. <laughs> we'll group. close. We'll pronounce hour number two correctly coming up after this.
0: <laughs> one hour of our show is in the books. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening on the Sports Call podcast, presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Tom Peavy with you here. On this Monday afternoon, had a rush of phone calls there in hour number one. If you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one 9 tiger 9 Talking all things college football from the weekend, uh, but uh, getting into more of a deep dive now about the Auburn and Cal game. Tigers, of course, winning 14-10. Just looking at the shockingly small scoring summary uh, which only included two scores aside, two touchdowns with Tigers, field goal and a touchdown for Cal. Several zeros huh, in the uh, quarterly summary, which is not uh, not necessarily uh, the case in in college football these days. So let's get into it, guys. What what went wrong with the offense on Saturday night? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm
2: uh i i'll I'll say this so my 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 first things uh what went wrong was just not being able to get into any sort of a rhythm uh that whether that be the run game whether it be the passing game there's just there was no rhythm and uh you you do have to credit cal for for some of the things they did on defense but uh i just i felt like that auburn just really struggled to figure it out um and that that worries me and uh i i definitely didn't like some of the play calling uh i know i screamed a lot of curse words into my hands at a lot of times when uh i felt like it was it was time that they needed to try to pass the ball but yet they ran it anyway uh it just it felt like it almost felt like the play calling got scared to throw the ball. And and, and you kind of understand it. I mean, uh, Peyton Thorne was not throwing the ball well, but the, the run game was not working. And it's like they just they, – they could not figure it out. It's like the coaching staff couldn't figure it out. The players couldn't figure it out. We talked briefly about some of the interchange of the quarterbacks and, and how it disrupted a lot of things. It dis- disrupted a lot of the uh, – uh, rhythm that you may have been trying to get in and then you ended up costing yourself time on the clock. There there are just things, I mean, coming out of a quarter and you have to call a timeout because you don't have something prepared. That that that's the type of stuff you can't do. That that is ridiculous that you come out of a quarter break onto the field and then have to call a timeout. I that baffles me. So that's the biggest thing is there's just there was no consistency, no rhythm it just it, uh, I, I mean I hate to say it, almost felt like you're just kind of blindly reaching your hand into a hat full of running plays and just randomly picking. Ooh, we have something. An Ashford play. Here, hey, let's let's <laughs> run this. Oh, he's not on the field. Well, let's get him out there real quick. I, man, that it, it was bad. I, I mean, it was really, 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 really bad. <laughs> I mean. It, I don't know how else to say it. It was just bad. Uh, there's there's issues on the offensive line still with a lot of technique things that have got to be fixed. Wide receivers are having trouble getting open. Uh, Thorne just he's got to be better consistent with throws. Uh, they just, they didn't take any shots downfield. It didn't feel like. And, and then the run game, uh, you know, it kind of it, it kind of felt like that. Cal was just sitting there ready for the run every single time. And and just shutting that down, and Auburn had no answer through the air on it, and it ended up being what it was. Auburn entered the fourth quarter with 131 total yards, I think it was. So they added to it a little bit with that drive in the fourth quarter, but you entered the fourth quarter with 131 total yards. That That is putrid. Uh, it is, that's the best word I can think of is putrid. So, yeah. They gotta fix it because they will lose a lot of games if they can't get something figured out on offense.
3: The most worrying thing to me is that Auburn looked really, really bad on offense, and it wasn't because they were being out talented by the defense. Exactly. Cal Cal, I, I understand recruiting has not been great at Auburn for about five years now, but the talent that Auburn has is still better than the talent that Cal has. Yes. And when you're get, when you get into SEC play, that's not going to be the case most of the time. So as bad as this offensive performance was, it I mean, hell, if you don't get it fixed, it's going to be way worse. Uh it, Tom pretty much touched everything you have poor quarterback play the offensive line I think they had some great moments but overall right. they didn't play super well the running game same thing had some good moments it didn't it was inconsistent the wide receivers couldn't really get open and I, I, I mean Hugh Freeze talked about it today Javarius Johnson and I think Jay Fair was the other guy he talked about they're the two best two best wide receivers on this team and they both played fairly well but Hugh Freeze's offense is built to get these big trees open, and you don't have to be a a burner to get open in Hugh Freeze's offense. You've just got to be big, and you've got to use angles. You've got to know how to use your body. Think of it like basketball when you're boxing somebody out. That's basically what Hugh Freeze wants to do with his wide receivers. These guys can't do it right now. This is not good enough Uh, from a game plan standpoint. This is not good enough from an execution standpoint. Um, And I keep going back to it. Auburn continues to want to try and, and do this two-quarterback thing. If you're going to do that, you better be freaking ready to do it. And when you run on your essentially wildcat quarterback and you don't know what you're going to do with him, so you have to burn a timeout to get the right play call in, structurally, that is beyond concerning. Yep. That That is, to, to borrow Tom's word, putrid. Um it, it, and, do you think, and this coaching staff has to do better. Let me
1: ask you a question here because we heard... And to Freeze's
3: credit, he said as much. Right. Uh, Montgomery was
1: calling the plays yep. say for... Uh, I think he Freeze said he, Freeze called three plays as uh, I believe what he said. Is that an issue of one of them deciding personnel one of them calling a play? Do you think Freeze is deci- deciding personnel and... Montgomery's calling a play out of that? Do you I, think that's is a disconnect? I doubt it.
3: I doubt that it would be that disconnected.
2: <sighs> I, I. Good Lord, I hope not, because if that's the case, then this is Gus Malzahn uh, all
3: yeah, over that's, again. That's,
2: that was an issue that they had with Gus Malzahn that yeah. we heard so many times is that there's a disconnect between Gus Malzahn and the offensive coordinator as far as the play that was wanting to be called and the personnel that was on the field. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, if, if, an issue, you, if you if you have it, yeah.
3: if you have an offensive head coach who is used to calling plays, I don't care if the offensive coordinator is the main play caller, and I genuinely believe that Philip Montgomery is the main play caller right now. When you have a head coach that has that kind of history, he's going to be involved. He's going to give approval. When you are going to a totally different system, someone makes that decision and and whoever makes that decision has to be a, has to be able to say, hey, this is the play we're going to run. And if the system, what it looked like in week one, what they were going to do is they were going to put Robbie in when they were in the red zone. And that was going to be the substitution. That's the plan, right? That's what you're planning to do. In this one, there was no clear-cut plan. And when, when that happened, somebody was not ready. I don't know if it was Hugh Freeze wanting to get involved. I don't know if it was Philip Montgomery not ready to call a play for Robbie Ashford. I don't know if it was Robbie just not being able to get the play in in time. Even though I don't think that the quarterback in this offense is really calling the play, I think that's more coming in from the sideline. Yeah. You've got signals and signs and all that stuff. But whatever it was, there was a severe disconnect. And again, if that continues, you're going to lose games, and we're going to see more symptoms of that. Uh, I think it's going to start when you when you look at substitutions. I think those are going to become issue. That those are going to become an issue. It, it was just bad. It was bad all around.
2: Well, the one thing that Hugh Freeze said in the press conference today is about that quarterback, the swapping out, is that you know that's not how he wanted it to look, or not how it's supposed to look. That makes me think that Philip Montgomery is the guy that is calling all that. Hugh Freeze is kind of there, is that figurehead, and sure, there's got to be some approval and things like that, but that that almost makes me. He, he's obviously not throwing Philip Montgomery under the bus, but uh, the way that he worded that makes it almost sound like this was the offensive staff that were doing this, and he was not pleased with the way the offensive staff handled. Yeah, because he almost uses the situation. terminology, I stepped in and called three plays, right. like how yeah. he ph-
1: phrased it. right?
2: So they, it, make, it makes it sound like that he was not involved in it, but then felt like he had to get involved in it because it was just going so bad. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, then in that – I, you can't fix that right now I mean you're obviously you're not going to fire your offensive coordinator no. Oh, no. two games in the season I'm not saying that but I mean that's if that's a problem then that's going to have to be fixed you know I don't want Hugh Freeze out there I don't want a repeat of the Gus Malzahn thing where is Gus calling plays or is Philip Montgomery calling plays or or vice versa or, or you know what's going on with all this I don't I don't want Auburn to get back into that situation again if Philip Montgomery is calling the plays then it, then he needs to run it but then he's going to have to do a better job.
1: I don't think we will get into being uh, for it to being unclear who's calling plays, right. but I do think we will end up doing a song and dance of who's calling them from week to week or year to year. No, I can't. I can see that happening. Right. Uh, I do not. I think Freeze will always be forthcoming about the ratio. It's going on. Uh, and, and who's doing what, but I absolutely am already gearing up for a week-to-week yeah. analysis of who's doing what. I, so when I look at offensive plan, first off, the plan was bad. They thought that they could run in various ways and, I think, open up Cal, and I think that maybe they thought that they, if they ran well enough, then they'd get into some of their explosive passing and they didn't run well enough to even get that out in the first place. They they ran so manila early on that they were forced into passing situations, and they were not able to pass in this or that situation. Sure. Um, they had one good sequence of running in the first half, and then Demari Austin fumbled, fumbled at like the 35 of Cal or something like that after yep. they'd had three or four nice runs in a row. And – I think what the, what the deal was is on one hand they were fair to look at it and say Peyton's not playing really well because the sample size they had that was true but also that was not a large sample size and they kind of forced themselves into digging a bigger hole in that regard by playing Ashford at ra- more random times than it seemed were planned and so – because I looked – I mean, I think that Thorne – what he finish? 9 of 14? I remember vividly seeing he was 6 of 11. And when you're 6 of 11 for like 40-something yards and a pick, nothing about that's good. No. But it's also such, such a small sample size – that it's like if you're trying to actually execute a passing plan, you usually throw thirty passes in a game, right? And so that's not even half of your passing what, what you normally would. Now Auburn only ended up throw, uh, throwing seventeen times because again, I think that they were they were never able to open up a situation where they feel like they could take a couple shots down the field. They never they, they just they went into that game far less confident in Peyton Thorne than any of us would have believed. They yeah. went into that game already kind of under the assumption they were not very trusting of Peyton Thorn. That's what it looked like to me. That's why Ashford was playing at random times uh, and playing more frequently. That's why, I mean, they had a sequence where it looked like they were going to try to just give Ashford the reins for a drive, but then they had a penalty and a negative play, and they got backed up and punted again, so then Thorne came back on. And it just looked like more than anything, there wasn't much conviction in what. Not only was what they planned kind of wrong, <laughs> there was not even a lot of conviction in what they planned. They, they kind of knew, they didn't know what the next option was. Right. Uh, and they were just kind of throwing darts on a dartboard, trying to figure out what would work for them. Uh, and so. It it started from the get go with the plan, but then also they just didn't react well to adjusting to the plan. There's plenty of teams that maybe have a bad first half and then come out have a much different second half, have a much better approach for an entire half. They go in and collect thoughts. Even that didn't. It looked
2: looked exactly the same as the first half,
1: right? Uh, Until they were kind of had to throw uh, in that fourth quarter, and then they had a couple of uh, great individual efforts there, Uh, and so. I think that's the concerning thing from a mentality standpoint. Is that look we have our own thoughts on where Peyton Thorne's at, where he should be at, how it might project the rest of the year. I think the coaches are have a already inherent lack of confidence there, and that's usually not what happens. It's not usually, hey, the coaches are less confident than the analysts. The coaches are less confident than the people breaking the game down. Usually it's the other way around. Usually we're skeptical and the coach is like, no, it's in him. He's good week of practice. He's ready. But to me, that game plan screamed, we're not confident in the quarterback position. And I think that's pretty concerning going forward.
2: Well, and, and and where that's concerning going forward is then I also think back to that uh the scrimmage where the, the, he was very, Hugh Freeze was very open about the quarterback play and saying, you know, I thought we had it decided, but now, you know, I, we just don't know. And it, it, that makes you wonder if none of these guys have, are really, were really stepping up and, and taking the reins of this and doing what they needed to do. And so, yeah, maybe there is just the lack of confidence there in what they can do. But you're in a bad, you're in a bad spot if that's the case. I, I mean, that, this is a, this is a hang-on-to-your-butts, folks, because yeah. if, if you don't have confidence in any of the three quarterbacks that you have out there that you could possibly play, then, then what are we doing? Right. Um, I mean, we're we're in deep doo-doo if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, somebody's going to have to step up and be it. Somebody's going to have to step up and be the guy and just start playing better. Uh, I, I hope that it's Thorne because I think he gives you the better option – through the air uh, and and can, you know, you've still got your stable of running backs that can get it done on the ground, but he gives you that better through the, through the air. Uh, I still think there needs to be a place for Robbie, but I don't like the interchanging of quarterbacks. If you're going to, if you want to use Robbie Ashford's athletic ability and his running ability, that's great. Figure out a package that you can get him in there along with Peyton Thorne. That way you're not pulling Peyton off the field You've still got your passing threat in Thorne, and now you've still got another running threat in Ashford. Okay. But th- you're not fooling anybody with what you're doing right now. Well, and all. I mean, it, everybody, everybody that was watching that game, as soon as Ashford came in there, they knew exactly what was about to happen. And Cal definitely knew what was going to happen. There was no fooling anybody. Uh, and, and out of the stuff that Robbie, when he was on the field, I didn't really see any misdirection of stuff. I mean, it was just basic right you know, design quarterback runs and right into the teeth of their defense. Well also let me present gracious.
1: Let me present this because again, some of it was changing mid drive. Some of it was no rhyme or reason. In my opinion, the only two times you should be putting the second quarterback on, slash your your package guy, is either the very beginning of a drive or the very end of a drive in the red zone. And that's really it. And you can make an argument that, I mean, look, some are going to say net, no two quarterbacks, period. Don't care if they can run, right. float, fly, glide, don't matter. Um, but if you're going to do this, I think those are the two times you can put them out there. Beginning of a drive, because it's a rhythm breaker for the quarterback. So it's it stands to reason if you're just starting a drive, okay, there's no really rhythm that you're in yet. Uh, unless you've just had two consecutive touchdown drives or something, you can start the drive in a different way. Or if you have a particular play design that you want in the red zone to score a touchdown to finish, to end the drive, then that's okay too. My my point is you, e- you either want Robbie Astor to start a drive and then Peyton Thorne come in and not leave the field again, or you want Peyton Thorne to start a drive, you get to the red zone, and you want Robbie Astor to go in and find a way to score a touchdown so you don't have Peyton Thorne back in. Because if you keep flipping back and forth, it's very hard to get in rhythm. It starts to get very second-guessing on, well, why did you even put him in for that one play if you were going to hand off for four yards and go back to the next guy the next play? It gets very uh, open to criticism. The problem is that at some point, Peyton Thorne will have to play really good football because if he is only marginally successful passing, that's why we have this. Because I know the coaches kind of posture this way. Some people like uh, Thorne's running a little bit more than I do. In my opinion, he's not a very good runner. He is okay. He is a standard college quarterback. He is 21 years old or whatever, so he can move a little bit. He's not. You know Tom Brady or Peyton Manning at the end statue. of their career. statue. But he is not a overwhelmingly pop big positive in a ground game. Robbie Ashford is that for you. And so if you're not going to be a successful passer by a fair amount, that's when you open yourself up to the thoughts of, well, we can't really throw it that well, then – I guess we need to run, and if we're going to run, does Asher give us a better chance doing that? Because you have to account for his legs, and that can help the running backs too. It's not just his legs. It could account for another body and blah, 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 blah. You just go into that thought process. Uh, and, and so some of that will be on Thorne to play well at some point. He will have to do that. And I think it's in there. We saw two years of Michigan State of acceptable quarterback play. Was yeah. it Heisman level? No. Was it elite? No. I would say it's better than just okay, though. I thought it was pretty good at times. Uh, and so it's in there, but that's also where we get, go back to the game plan part of it. It's have some confidence there before you start third and fourth drive. Oh, here's a play for Ashford in the random random part here, and here's a play there, and here's a play there. It just it, – it, it fed on itself from both vantage points of how it could get more convoluted more chaotic, and it, it just kept going. We have plenty more thoughts on the offense. We'll have some thoughts on the defense, too, on the positive side of things a little bit later. But first, we need to take our next time out. And when we come back, we'll go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: you want to join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU.
1: I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV Brant Donfrey with you here on this Monday afternoon, about halfway home on this Monday. As we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one tiger 9 Next up, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon?
7: I'm good and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, the first thing that I was going to talk about is actually the big loss against uh, Texas that Alabama could not come out with a big win at home. I mean, they could not do it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Texas handled them pretty well.
7: Yeah, because I I was, you know, uh, before this game was actually on uh Alabama's schedule I've been telling everybody that Alabama is not the Alabama team that they've seen with uh with uh, Bryce Young that 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 is not the the huge comparison with Bryce Young or without Bryce Young because I think Alabama is not the championship team that Alabama fans have wanted with uh, Nick Saban I mean if if they lose Next week, if they lose this weekend, I think it will be a good time for the front office in Tuscaloosa, and and actually give them, give him the opportunity to actually pack his things, pack Nick Saban's bags up, and and move on. You know, and let a new coach come in as well.
1: Yeah, again, not not exactly, you know, front office be president, athletic director, certain uh, stuff like that. Obviously, he would. There's zero chance he would ever be fired. It would be him retiring. But again, I, I don't think that will be happening uh, this year. Although I, I definitely think it's coming. I don't think it's 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 too far away at this point. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, they that was a, a a big loss for them. They're they're not eliminated from absolutely any of their goals. And again, I remind a lot of people. Uh, to, again, be a little careful because they have lost one game all but two years. So even in four of their national title years, they still lost a game at some point. So it, they're they're not out of it, but certainly it's not a good sign. And uh, there are certain signs of leakage with them, and so it was a, uh, a disappointing mm-hmm. result for them that weekend, last weekend.
7: Yeah, so they're not eliminated from the college football playoffs with that one loss. I mean, what about, like, Georgia or Florida or Florida State? I mean, those those three uh, schools might make a chance at the college football playoffs, but with Alabama getting that one loss, I don't see them actually playing in Atlanta this year.
1: Certainly Georgia and Florida State will have uh, really good playoff chances. Florida will not. But uh, I, I think that Georgia will, because of schedule and quality of team, I mean, they're they're going to be really hard to beat. Uh, Florida State has had a big start to the year. Uh, their big game against Clemson in two weeks will determine a lot uh, in terms of their long-term outlook. And again, for Alabama, one loss for any any Power Conference school that has a brand, one loss is not debilitating. It does not take you out of it. But again, they'll have to be perfect from here on.
7: Yeah, I said as well. And then I was looking at Auburn and uh, Cal, and I'm very, very excited of seeing uh, Auburn actually coming out. Successfully, I know in the fourth quarter, I know that we were going to lose that one, but we made a um, we made a huge bounce back in in that one like uh, uh, over the weekend. And I was you know I was like you know I was mad. I was just you know trying to see what uh, Peyton Thornton was going to do, and I was just you know tweeting you know saying you know guys y'all need to work harder. Y'all need to do something. Turn this game around, y'all. Just y'all need to make a, a miracle happen. And once that went out, things started changing a little bit different, and we won the game as well.
1: Yeah. So you think your uh, your tweet had something to do with it?
7: Yes, yeah, because I was, you know, I was just trying to, you know, trying to see our team win on the road against Cal, and I think it 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 actually did something right there.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Auburn did uh, get the win there with that uh, late drive, and again, very glad that even though it was not the prettiest of victories, it was a victory. So uh, Auburn moves to two and on the season.
7: Yes, that's also. Well. I think with this two and O record, I think this one, this weekend will be three and O, uh, and we play Stanford at home, and uh, we got a, a easy an easy schedule uh an easy game with Sanford because I did see Sanford play over the weekend and I think Sanford is it's going to be an easy game for us and then I'm going to be watching uh Texas A&M and uh studying their their playbook and uh because we do play them at the end of the at the end of the uh, month of September and I think that Texas A&M going in Cal Field I know this is going to be um a tough road and I know Calfield is kind of loud, so I don't know how Peyton Thornton is going to actually deal with all the loud noise. And um, and I think we might make it uh, five and zero. As, I mean four and zero as well. Hopefully
1: so. A and M had their own disappointing defeat this weekend when they lost to Miami by two scores. So A uh, and M's buzz is all already getting pretty negative there, and. Uh, that program is uh, is not trending in the right direction still so it will be an interesting game uh, once we get there Auburn should be able to take care of Sanford in the meantime.
7: Yes as well and then over uh, the weekend I was seeing I'm very very excited to see my Dallas Cowboys actually beat the New York Giants 40 to zero that was the first time ever in Cowboys history that that actually ever happened in the Cowboys uh, franchise history of of playing that uh, tough road in uh, New York as well. So I'm very, very happy of uh, seeing my Cowboys actually come out with a 40-0 to zero, uh, lead as well.
1: Yeah, it was very impressive. They uh, demoralized the Giants from the get-go. That game fell over even in the second quarter. And uh, as you said, largest shutout victory in Cowboys history, and they have a long story history. So uh, that was a, a very impressive win for your Cowboys.
7: Yes, as well. And then with me being so happy about my Cowboys win, I actually um, got to hear um, one of the Auburn players that are playing with my team for the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's Noah
3: uh, Iguagana, if I'm saying his last name right. Close close enough. It's Noah Igbenogany. Don't worry, Tom. Tom had some trouble with that earlier. I, I was
2: struggling with it.
3: Yeah, so when I actually heard that name,
7: I was like, "Hmm, do I know this kid?" And he played at Auburn, and when he um, did that, you know, that first when they did the the uh, first quarter of the game, he scooped up the ball and just took it off and and, and ran a six nothing touchdown, and and that was amazing um, for me to actually see him actually playing with my Cowboys as well.
1: Uh, yeah, no, that was very exciting. He had been traded from the Dolphins to the Cowboys a week or so ago and uh, was able to make a big play right there.
7: Yes, that's all well, because I would like to talk to him if y'all could actually bring him on the show. And I would love to, you know, get to know a lot about him and actually coming to my Cowboys as well.
1: Yeah, we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. What else is on your mind?
7: Well,. Um I was watching the uh race from Kansas and I'm not too happy about um you know about Danny Hamlin. I thought he was going to win it for me but um you know it it was a it was a tough race and um, I think they're gonna their next race would be in Bristol, Tennessee. So I think um, I, I think I just need to do uh, better picking in my in my NASCAR fantasy lineup as well and see if I can win.
1: Well, that's how it goes sometimes. If there hadn't been a caution, Hamlin would have won. so I think you were right to to pick him in your fantasy It just uh, the caution kind of threw everything off there. But, uh, yeah, Tyler Reddick got the victory, and Bristol is a cutoff race this Saturday night, so it'll be a lot of fun under the lights in Thunder Valley.
7: Yes, well, because this is, uh, you know, when they do these big uh, playoff races, they always have, like, these big uh, jackpot races that um, actually do with the playoff uh, NASCAR races that they do, and I didn't win. So that is my fourth uh, time losing, uh, a big uh, payout over the weekend as well.
1: Well, that that is frustrating, but hey, maybe you'll get it next time.
7: Yes, as well. And then I'm actually going to be looking at the WNBA uh, playoff uh, finals that's going to be starting on September the 13th, and uh, seeing how my Dallas Wings would uh, actually go to Atlanta and uh, seeing if we're going to win this one uh, this time as well. So I'm hoping... That we're going to advance to the to the playoffs and uh, seeing if my Dallas Wings would play against the uh, against the Las Vegas Aces, the, uh, net, the WNBA champions as well. And if we do meet up with the uh, Las Vegas Aces, I know we're going to win, and I have um, great uh, determination in my ladies as well.
1: All right. Yeah, you'll have to keep us updated on that because we're not exactly. Uh, following that. But, uh, yeah, you uh, you keep us updated on that.
7: All right, sounds good.
1: And, uh, and any fi- uh, any final thoughts for us today, James?
7: Well, yes, I actually do have one final thought because today is September 11th, and I just want to, um, you know, have my heart out to a lot of these men and women, um, maybe, like, you know, for the firefighters as well. And I know Tom is one and um I uh admire the work and uh dedication that they do to keep our uh city safe as well and um my heart do go out to the families in new york and um I'm hoping things would uh turn out really good as well
1: yeah, all right, yeah, no we w- definitely want to uh remember those here on on nine eleven again twenty two years ago uh, tragedy struck so. Uh, Absolutely want to keep those uh, families still in our our hearts and prayers. And, uh, again, thanks uh, to all those first responders out there, not only there in uh, in New York but also across the country and uh, everyone that, uh, like you said, uh, firefighters, police, everything that uh, helps keep us safe.
7: Yeah, so I'll talk to you all tomorrow and maybe um, have some good trivia for you all tomorrow as well.
1: All right, just let us know. All right, War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to take one final timeout here in hour number two. A few more Auburn Cal thoughts right after this. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola.
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. Of course, we appreciate all of our Sports Call callers and guests who now join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. The Orthopedic Clinic has been serving the people of East Alabama since 1971 and is your go-to center for orthopedic care. Visit them online today at theorthoclinic.com for more information. Give us a call. Join Sports Call three three four eight eight seven three four zero one or one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. The Orthopedic Clinic is the proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. All right, six, seven, eight minutes left here in this first or second hour. Excuse me. Let's continue to talk more Auburn Cow. Let's continue with uh, some more offensive thoughts. All right, why, why well, no, 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 no. Go we're, ahead. Where were you? Gonna I was going to ask you wide receivers. What are we seeing there? We saw Fairweather, couple huge plays late. Had had been not a part of it before then. Uh, Jay Fair, Javarius Johnson singled out by Hugh Freeze earlier day right. as as feeling like the best two receivers. No Shane Hooks to be found really in that game. I yeah. think one target, but no catches. He had a couple catches in the uh, UMass game. That's surprising to me yeah. and a little disappointing.
2: What what are you seeing from the receiving core? Uh, well, so so first of all, if if Fairweather can do that, what we saw from him, he was the guy. If, if you know, I was on that hill screaming his name from from the highest tops uh, in the preseason. That that's a guy with the size that is you know, listed as a tight end, but more wide wide receiver type, and that. I think that he's the guy that you can throw those jump balls up to and things like that, just like you saw with the touchdown with the beautiful fade pass, uh, and he just skies up to go get it. Uh, I'm really uh, excited if he is going to be doing more of that. We didn't see that in week one, and so, uh, you know, I'm hoping that that's going to be a part of the game plan. Uh, But then Hooks not being in there, yeah, one target, um, you've – after especially after week one and just everything you've heard you would think that he would be uh your main guy so i mean to, to me that shows i guess inconsistencies there at wide receiver uh that's the only thing i can think of is inconsistencies and they were they were having trouble getting open against uh, a cal defense that again we've talked about yeah they've got some talented guys that are a little more talented than they have been but Talent level, they should not be shutting down your wide receivers. I don't know why our receivers are struggling to get open, but that they were they were struggling to do that. So uh, they just got to be more consistent. If hooks is going to be if hooks is going to be that go to type wide receiver, then he's got to get himself open to where he's you know getting more than just one target. Uh, Thorn, I don't know if there were times that he was open and Thorn just missed him. I you know I don't know that, but. They also were not throwing the ball a whole lot. They, they were you know, pretty much uh, ingrained into the run game, even in times that just kind of made you shake your head wondering why. Uh, you know, I, I think that he's going to be a part of the passing game going forward. He's just definitely not a part of it here. But I'm hoping that what we saw from Fairweather is going to become the norm and not just a – yeah, he made a couple good plays against Cal, and the next thing you know, we, it's like, where is he at? So.
3: I think it's – the the most negative thing to me is Hugh Freeze made his name calling these RPOs, right? That was what he built his offense off of. The run-pass option thing, when you decide to pass the ball, you are either making that decision off of pre-snap alignment or you are making that decision based off of reading one guy on the defense. And if he does one thing, you hand the ball off. If he does another thing, you throw a quick pass. That's the thing. These passes are supposed to be quick. For a quarterback, they are easy throws. They are good to get a guy in rhythm. For a receiver, the guy is going to be open off the off the snap because the corner is in a position to where hey, quarterback knows what route the ru- wide receiver is running, wide receiver knows what route he's running. The cornerback doesn't know. That's the one advantage that offense has is that they know what's coming. So when a so you have this guy who's built this reputation for that kind of offense. And we just didn't see much of that. We did not see those RPO plays where you, where you can line up and go, oh, hey, that guy, before we even snap this ball, he's open, which means I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to throw it to him quickly. We saw a couple of times against, uh, gosh, it was the week one, UMass. Saw it a couple of times against UMass where you get the ball and then throw the fade instead of handing it off. But I haven't seen those slants. I haven't seen those quick ends. I haven't seen those stop routes that Hugh Freeze got famous for, those easy completions for four or five yards to these big-bodied receivers who are open off alignment and then can use their bigger bodies to box out corners. These guys, and they're not calling them very much because, I mean, look, you've got Jair Shorter, Shane Hooks, uh, Malcolm Johnson Jr. He's not a bigger guy, but, you know, these are these are big-bodied Camden guys. Brown. Camden Brown. He, he did not even get targeted in this game. Yep. These are big-bodied receivers that, are a, that you got here at Auburn because you run that style of play. That is what made Hugh Freeze famous. And you just haven't seen it so far. And that's concerning to me because that has nothing to do. And yet, like Tom said, the wide receivers have been inconsistent. They're not able to get open right now. So you help them by running this particular play. And we just haven't seen much of that so far. And that's, that's been, to me, the most head-scratching thing.
1: That's why I wanna see this play out for a few weeks because again, with Montgomery calling the plays, is this a philosophical difference for the two of them where Freeze would be doing this more but you know, that's not necessarily what Montgomery wants. If they I mean, I, I know that there's going to be, you know, Game planning between the two of them. It's not like right. Freeze has no idea what Montgomery's going to do. Maybe that's not um,
2: Peyton Thorne's strength either. Right.
1: and maybe yeah. Thorn quick decision because that that's what's been the interesting part to me. And every time Hugh Freeze has said something either critical or just borderline critical about Peyton Thorn, it has usually re- resolved uh, revolved around decision making. Right. And again, that's what happened in week one. I, I remember thinking, oh, you know, Thorne had a couple, you know, had a, had a fine game against UMass, a couple deep throws didn't go well. And then in the post-game presser, he said, yeah, you made three poor decisions tonight. Well, what were those poor decisions? Were they false pre-snap reads? Were they you know, f- just throwing the wrong person, reading the wrong defense? What were they? Uh, and it could go back into a inherent lack of trust and faith already that's built in there where they don't feel like they're doing it. Or they were too manila. They were just wrong in that that uh, that game plan. We don't really know yet until they play more. Um, but that is a good point where I don't recall more than a couple
3: of RPOs in the entire game.
1: Uh, I certainly know of a couple read options, but it's not RPO. It's different concept, different reading concept.
3: I, I think they ran... I just listen looking back, and I have I'd have to go back and check. I didn't count them up, but it felt like the first drive against UMass, every play was an RPO. Every play Thorne had the option to pull the ball and throw it if he wanted to. And since then, I mean you've seen maybe a dozen in the in the plays that we've seen since that first drive against UMass. It's just it's weird that you have that, that you have this guy. I I I feel like a broken record, but I'm going to continue to pound this point home. He got famous because of that. He made his money because he started doing this when really nobody else was doing it at the college level. And now you just you haven't seen much of it since.
1: Yeah. And again, I, I I'd like to uh see it out a little bit further into the year and see uh, if this is a, a personnel call, if it's a, if it's what's happened with the blending of ideas from him and Montgomery, uh, just w- what exactly is the deal here. But also, uh, too, is, as much as we've been critical here in, uh, in hour number one, good news is we're two games home. Auburn's going to be 3-0 and after this week when they beat Sanford. <laughs> Boy, I hope uh, so. <laughs> and still a lot of season to go to where, hey, after week one, it looked pretty good. Week two, now it looks bad we'll see if it progresses throughout the year Uh, and again certainly good to be 2-0 with some bickering rather than 1-1 with some bickering out of time for hour number two coming up in hour number three a sports call five at five also a word or two on the auburn defense who kept auburn around all game in time for them to get the w there in the second half so we'll talk about what made the Auburn defense successful in hour number three and also a little bit later the best and worst of the weekend you're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9
0: Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or the Sports Call podcast. Presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy, Tom P. V. Brant Dontry, with you here on this Monday afternoon. Coming up in just a few minutes, We're uh, a little bit later this hour, I should say, the best and worst of the weekend. Coming up in just a moment, the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. But Before we get to that, of course, today is 9-11, and on 9-11 22 years ago, thousands of people were killed and injured in the worst terrorist attack in our nation's history. Today is the anniversary uh, of 9-11. It's been grown to become the largest day of service in America. We invite you to take part in this important national observance, along with millions of others and those of us at Tiger Communications, by joining together in the spirit of unity and spending time today volunteering, supporting charities, or performing simple good deeds that help others. Please, vi- please visit 911day.org to find out what you can do. And Of course, there's still time today. Uh, to make a difference and uh, that might be included in our best and worst of the weekend here coming up in a, a few minutes as well also want to get now to the sports call five at five and that is presented by southeastern land group john harden and brian watts are your local land advisors with southeastern land group land is always a sound financial investment but it's also investment in time with your family and friends and brian and john can help you find the perfect property for you you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that, too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. Not going to really talk about these games yet. We will talk about some of them certainly throughout the week. But for the Sports Call 5 at 5 today, we're going to look at the five top 25 teams that either lost... Or we're taking overtime on Saturday, only four lost, so it couldn't quite fit. So I added in the one that went to overtime, and that's how we came up with five. But here's the five teams that got truly tested and were lost on Saturday. Number one. Number one was the one that won North Carolina. They defeated Appalachian State, but it was in overtime, forty to thirty-four. Carolina had some sequence at the end of that game. Had a thirty-nine yard field goal down the middle of the field to win it. And hooked it way left. I described it as closer to the uprights at Wallace Wade Stadium in nearby Durham than it was to actually going through the ones in Keenan Stadium. Carolina would end up in double overtime, defeating App State. Uh, they exchanged touchdowns in the first overtime. Carolina scored, did not get their two point conversion, but was able to hold Appalachian State for a very gritty 40-34 to 34 win. Of course, that was a heck of a game in Boone last year in a very high-scoring game. So Carolina App State actually played three close games in the last three years. Uh, Matt Brown talking a little bit after that one about, uh I think it's great for the state of North Carolina to play App State, but I'm glad we're done with it. I hope NC State or East Carolina have fun. Uh, so Carolina did survive that one. Number two. First up in top 25 teams losing in the day was Tulane. This one was a little unfortunate that Michael Pratt, their quarterback, was not able to play uh, in that game. and Tulane was hanging in there, especially physically with Ole Miss. Again, another sign that, hey, I know Ole Miss may not be the beacon of physicality in this conference, but Tulane of the AAC was actually stopping Quenshaw Judkins for the majority of that game. Ole Miss finally had the damn break at the very end. Winning thirty-seven to twenty, so Tulane's run in the top twenty-five is over. But Tulane, even with a backup quarterback, was hanging in there for more than three quarters. Number three, next up in the L column, a team getting too familiar with it, the Texas A&M Aggies. They were number twenty-three coming in the week. They went down to Miami again. I was wrong about a lot of things over the weekend. I thought this game would be low-scoring. This was the high-scoring game of the afternoon in a lot of ways. Forty-eight to thirty-three looked like. Bobby Petrino did an okay job. They did have a couple turnovers, but moved the ball, scored 33 points, and allowed almost half a hundred against Miami. So Miami delivers A&M another disappointing loss. We'll see how much longer that can continue. But 48-33 Miami defeats top 25 at Texas A&M. Number four. Another ranked matchup, somebody had the fall at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and it was the Alabama Crimson Tide that did that. Texas defeats Alabama 34-24. to uh, As a close game from last year, many thought that Texas might have won if Quinn Ewers had been healthy for all four quarters. He was healthy for all four quarters this time, and after a brief change of momentum in the third quarter for Alabama that saw them... Uh, retake the lead briefly 16-13 to 13. it was all Longhorns in the fourth quarter outscoring Alabama 21-8 to eight. Texas stuns Alabama at home only a third home loss in I believe the last seven or eight years maybe even longer than that for Alabama so they uh, dropped from their number three position and last up in the sports call five at five presented by Southeastern Land Group number five a little bit under the radar but again proving how the Pac-12 has some chops this year and it's swan song Washington State took down number 19, Wisconsin, 31-22. to So four ranked teams lost, the last of them being Wisconsin. And this was a game that Washington State really controlled throughout. They were up as many as 18 when they led 24-6 to uh, just before halftime. Wisconsin got back in it, but Washington State would score uh, the decisive touchdown for sure in the fourth quarter to go back up 31-22. And uh, even the bottom half of the Pac-12 with some decent performances here in the first couple weeks of the year, I thought I would never say that. Uh, But, of course, I will never say it again (laughs) after this year. So Washington State beats top 20 Wisconsin Luke Fickle's first year there, uh, not off to the best of starts as they lose to Wazoo 31-22. That is the sports call. Five at five in my Southeastern Land Group. Five top 25 teams that either lost or were on the ropes this weekend North Carolina barely escaping Appalachian State. Tulane falling to Ole Miss. Uh, Alabama losing to Texas. Texas A&M losing to Miami. And Wisconsin losing to Washington State. All right, guys, let's transition back a little more Auburn Cal. We talked really the whole 4 o'clock hour about offense. We'll have more offensive thoughts uh, in coming days. As long as they're not offensive, just just offensive. Just want to make make that clear. I saw I, I saw a little smirk. I was, yeah,
3: I was doing my best to come up with something funny to say yeah. to that, and it was just eluding me. So I'm glad that you I'm <laughs> glad that you it. caught it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's turn to the defensive side of the ball, which was a clear positive for Auburn. Yeah. We were worried about it. That's why I thought it would be a pretty high scoring game. I thought Auburn would need to score a lot of points. I think they I thought they would get beat on the ground from time to time. They really muscled up, though. Cal had lots of short fields, but Auburn yeah. did not allow them to take advantage of it.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and that's the thing. As this game played on, my worry level got more and more and more. Uh, as that offense just struggled, you you really felt like that it was eventually going to slip away from the defense because we knew the capabilities of of their offense on the, on the ground game. And then when they made that switch at quarterback uh, – it really kind of seemed to spark them, and, and there for that little bit, it, it really felt like that this was probably not going to be Auburn's day. Um, it, you just it, The defense was just on the field constantly. Uh, you know what I mean? Just constantly, constantly, constantly on the field. And eventually you're like, they're going to break. They're going to get tired. They're going to wear down. And they didn't. Uh, you know, Cal was able to do a couple of things here and there, but for the most part, they, they were not able to. And then when the when the defense needed a big play to either snuff out a drive or to back them up to force an even longer field goal, they the plays were made. And then, then you get your interception at the end of the game uh, to not necessarily seal it because the offense still had to get a first down, which were not coming very easily for the offense, but you got that big turnover there at the end. Um, it was a great defensive effort, and it saved the game. Uh, and then Eugene Asante, dude, I, I don't know that I've seen a defensive performance like that individually from an Auburn player in quite a while. That that kid was everywhere making big-time plays, just a, an individual performance that that people will remember for a while, and that's why he's co-defensive player of the week because what he did – in that game was, was something special to watch. And goodness gracious, if he can keep that up, then I mean that, that's an All-American type performance that he had. If he can keep playing at that level and at that success rate, then it, this season will be something special to watch out of him. But overall defense, they, they did their job and saved the game when it had every single sign and symptom of becoming a cow runaway.
3: Yeah, I, I was really impressed with the defensive scheming from Ron Roberts, honestly. For for all of the criticism that I've given the offensive staff, I, I, I need to give Ron Roberts a lot of credit right now because not only did he have those guys playing well, he got creative. I, I, Auburn, uh-huh. more often than not, had three down linemen, but they were rushing four or more. Someone was coming from somewhere. Uh, Eugene Asante, I mean, we're, we've talked about him, and rightfully so. I assume we're going to continue talking about him. But another guy that I thought played really well in this game was Donovan Kaufman. I I think him in that uh, – I don't know what they call it in this defense. Most people call it a star or something like that, that hybrid safety linebacker role. Uh, he's, He's really flourishing in it right now, was second on the team in tackles with eight behind Asante. He's playing really well. Another guy that was around the ball a lot was Larry Nixon the 3rd He's got the starting nod at linebacker now with uh, the, the the linebackers having thumb surgery. Keys. Austin Keys, thank you. But uh, Eugene Asante and Larry Nixon the third are going to be your starting linebackers, uh, I think, from, from now to the rest of the season. And like Tom said, if Asante keeps this level of effort up, it's an All-American season for him. But I was really impressed with those two guys, and I was really impressed with the play calling on defense. And another guy that I want to point out here – Kay and Lee uh, didn't go super crazy with the stats. I think he had three tackles, but they tried to pick on him all night. Uh, Cal did. They went after him. He's a true freshman corner, so you know you get a guy, you get a young guy like that. Then yeah, you go after him. But he stepped up time and time again, and I think that Lee played a really good game. Uh, and I think that the effort the effort and execution was absolutely there, and it was a uh, a great. X's and O's game from Rom Roberts
2: the the one thing that uh, the, it's, it's talking about the X's and O's of it the one thing that was really impressive with me is uh, when Cal did try to run to the boundaries uh, it's, it felt like there was always somebody from Auburn there yeah uh, and maybe even not just a single guy but multiple guys that were there and then of course you know you have guys from that linebacker position that were just running like they were on fire out there to to add help to that. Yeah. And it, it was just very impressive for for to watch them be able to stretch the, those guys out towards the sideline and make plays, and, and not give up uh, the big gashing type yards that that that's what Cal was doing in the in week one, and it's what you were afraid of because we, we have talked about the rush defense ad nauseum on how bad it was or how or not shouldn't say how bad it was, but just how big of a question mark that was, and then knowing a team that was going to run like that. Uh, they they j they did a great job of of staying where they needed to, not over pursuing and then when it came time to make tackles, they were making the tackles and then they ended up you know he i kind of messed himself up by trying to jump, but the guy that was talking all that smack ends up looked like he got concussed. I don't know if he did but uh, they he, have,
3: he got knocked out of the game in the third quarter and didn't come back. So yeah. I, I, I don't know if he had a concussion, but he was certainly not well. It looked
2: like it looked it looked concussed on the field. Yeah. He tried to leap over some guys, and they took his legs out from under him, and he came down hard. Um, just an impressive performance. Uh, and, and they needed it in the worst way with, with that offense just being as completely – absent and in, and inept as it was you had to have that defense step up and that's exactly what they did and and so kudos to them what i'm hoping is that that this kind of reminded me of the the tw- man i'm really stepping in it here because i i can't compare this team to 2010 that's that's ridiculous but The Mississippi State game in 2010 was one of those where even with Cam Newton, the offense could not get anything going, and that had loss written all over it. But the defense in that game stepped up beyond anything that they had done throughout the season because even in 2010, that defense had some mighty struggles stopping people. But in that game, you had Nick Fairley step up and have that big-time game uh, like you had Asante have. So hopefully this is not kind of a a picture, a glimpse of what's going to happen with this team. Hopefully that offense just had a bad day and things are going to get better with that. And then this defense can keep playing at this level. And it might be an okay season, but defense can't keep belling them out like this over and over again. Because eventually against better teams, they're not going to be able to make the stops. They're going to get scored on. They will get worn down by bigger, better offensive lines. And the offense is going to have to score the points to keep up with it.
3: You know, it's, it's interesting that you compare it to the 2010 Mississippi State game, uh, at least as far as defensive performance. I think the final touchdown was very similar to the end of the 2013 Mississippi State game. Okay. Where you had C.J. Uzama catch that fade route over the smaller guy. Now you've got Fairweather at a similar position yeah. uh, making the same kind of catch. So I, I saw someone comparing that earlier. I wish I could give him credit, but I, I saw that somewhere on the internet. And yeah, they're pretty similar looking plays. Playoff
1: birth that, confirmed. That's what I've heard. <laughs> no.
2: I I'd have to, I could, I, you know, I have to go back in. Hedge your bets. hedger bets. I, I remember that one that you're talking about, but for some reason that that 2010 game sticks into my head just because it was one of those the offense just could not get anything going at all. And and fairly, I and, think
1: even that 13 game might have been pretty
2: low scoring too. But right.
3: I think it was, yeah.
2: But either way, uh, you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're comparing right. really apples to oranges here. It's just a, something that popped into my head. Sure. But, um, I, I, I'm hoping Eugene Asante can keep playing at the level he is because that was exciting to watch. And defense need, defense keep playing at this level, and, and Auburn can be okay as long as that offense can figure out at least a little bit of something to not just look so uh, lost, 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 anemic, and anemic, inept, yeah.
3: directionless.
1: Yes, yeah, no. So the Auburn defense again. Comparing what happened Week One against lesser opponents, I know, but Auburn allowed five and a half yards of carry in Week One against UMass. Cal gained six and a half yards of carry against North Texas. Cal in this game against Auburn only two point eight yards carry. I know there's some sacks in there and that sort of thing. But uh, Jay Knott, who was at nine yards a pop in week one against North Texas, he had 20 rushes, 78 yards, and a touchdown, but that's only 3.9 a carry. You can live with that against a what figures be a pretty good rush offense. And, again, their second back, uh, Steedrick was at eight carries, 24 yards, which is three on the dot. So even if you throw out some quarterback numbers and that sort of thing, uh, they still, even though the running backs were somewhere around three and a half yards a carry, which is a, a not – uh, very sufficient. Auburn did what I expected them to do in the pass defense. They did an excellent job there, too. Uh, Cal combined 21 of 38, 160 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Of course, one of them was the Hail Mary at halftime, but they right. didn't have Nehemiah Pritchett. Uh, DJ James got banged up, I believe, at one point. That's why Ky Lee was playing a good bit and they were not able to take advantage of him or really anything Donovan Kaufman got banged up at one point two. so Auburn had to fight through some injuries in the secondary too it was not a clean bill of health the entire uh, half I even think that McLeod went out at one at point I think he returned I'm, I'm not a hundred percent positive fuzzy memory of what part of the game that was but they definitely had three or four guys get banged up over the course of the game some returned some I don't recall but they did a good job of, of who was all out there. And, uh, again, interesting – again, just not the type of game at all I thought we'd see in terms of score. I thought we'd be talking about today. A shootout. Yeah, I thought we'd be talking about, yeah, that Auburn offense looks like it's it's pretty good. But, man, what are we going to do about this defense? Is actually the other way around. Real quickly before we go to uh, what will probably be our final timeout of the show. We'll get to best and worst after it. What's more real? Auburn's defense being good or Auburn's offense struggling? What's more real to you? Oh,
2: uh, Yeah, on it, honestly, I I kind of have to lean towards more of it being the offense uh, struggling because, uh, again, the offensive line, new guys there, but we, we know that there's some issues there going on. Uh, we saw the wide receiver struggling to get open. That's something that has been going on for a while. And then quarterback play, it's like – you know what are you getting, and so I, I think there's too many areas of question mark slash struggle on the offense, and and then I'm you know then with the play calling and decision making, switching out quarterbacks here, there, and the other. I've got some issues there. Uh, when you look at what the what the defense did and with the scheme that was put in place, that makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, and, and you've got guys that are actually stepping up and, and looking like players and putting a good scheme around them, I think the defense can be really good. Uh, you know the secondary is going to be good. Now it looks like your linebackers, you might actually have some studs there. Maybe still a couple of questions on the defensive line, but I, I feel like the scheme helps them out. And so, I, yeah, if I had to choose, I would definitely say the defense is, is actually good and not the other way around.
3: It's interesting. I do think the defense is going to have continued success. I know that they struggled against UMass on that first drive, but I think the scheme is going to be good. Uh, I think that this is an interesting scheme. I think this is a scheme that keeps offenses guessing, and I think it makes up for a lack of talent by confusing an offensive line, confusing a quarterback. And I think that Auburn's going to I, – I, if Auburn's going to win a win some upset games this year, it's going to be because Ron Roberts in this defense can mess him up and take advantage of mistakes. The offense being bad, I think, could be real uh, for for all the reasons we've listed so far. Um, the, the, the game plan hasn't looked fantastic. You haven't always looked on the same page. Uh, and, and you have questions about the personnel at pretty much every position except for running back. And in this game, running backs didn't look awesome. I mean, they didn't look bad, but you had three lost fumbles. Yeah. And and that's that's a problem. And going forward, other teams are going to be trying to take advantage of that. This is, other than the paycheck games, this is the weakest defense Auburn's going to face. Auburn will not face a worse defense in the SEC than Cal.
1: Yeah, maybe Vandy.
3: Well, maybe Vandy. Yeah. There's, there's, there's always al- Vandy. There's always the caveat always of, eh, Vandy. maybe yeah. Vandy. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just going forward, I don't I don't know. Something has to change drastically for this offense to look good against SEC defenses. And look, regardless
1: of my expectations or what I thought coming in the season, I think I've got to look at this with what matters more, a UMass game or a cow Cal game. Cal's better than UMass, so Cal's gotta matter more. Yep. And Auburn's defense was very good. Does that mean that it will hold up all year long? I don't know. Not not honestly. No, if they're going to have to be on the field as much as they were on Saturday night. But do I think that that was more of a real performance of what they could be than uh, than than Auburn's offense? I think that Auburn's defense being successful. You know, I think it's going to be successful to a point, but I think it's more real that Auburn has struggles because on offense, I should clarify, on offense, because there's elements going on to where they've got to fix the game planning part of it first before we even know what the actual players will perform like. It's like when coaches, coaches, and sometimes it's coach speak, sometimes it's honest, sometimes it's BS, sometimes it's 100% legit. But coaches, sometimes the cover-up players' mistakes will say, we didn't put them in position to succeed, and I think that would be an ap- applicable statement for this first week on on offense against a against a at least a, a competent team is they didn't really put the offense in position to succeed. They they did not uh, have a game plan that really showed you what Auburn is not good at doing offensively yet or what they're not going to be capable. I think there was predisposed thoughts from the coaching staff of what they were not going to be good at doing. Uh, But we haven't seen that necessarily. And so I think it's more real their offensive struggles than the defensive successes, although, again, like I said, I think the defense will have a a certain level of success throughout the year. I think those problems are a little bit more real because they even start with the coaches – not having trust in the players to some degree rather than just having a simple mis-execution of, of what some of the plays were actually called. That Because that, all the time we talk about, well, someone will get mad at a trick play for not working. But then I'll come back and tell you, well, the guy was wide open. He just overthrew him. Like like I, I 2018 Mississippi State, I can still think in that press box. I don't know why Mississippi State keeps coming to all of our minds. 2018, sit in the press box. There was a double reverse pass. Jarrett Stidham threw to somebody wide open. Schwartz. And, Anthony and Schwartz. Probably Schwartz. He's fast, makes a lot of sense. And overthrew him by five yards. Yep. And it was a touchdown. It was absolutely absolutely touchdown. It was a low-scoring game. There was the fumbles at the goal line. It was an awful, awful, awful way to lose. But they had that touchdown, and it was just not thrown properly. And there's no, and there's nothing a coach can do about that because the play worked. They they got the safeties to jump. It was wide open. It was a clean pocket. Everything about it was right except the throw. And that's when you know it's on a player. But I don't even feel like we got to that point on Saturday where we can even talk deep dive about the execution in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, you can't fumble like that, that. That's something that it's not it's not a coach's fault that that Damari Austin was fumbling in the first half after a good running sequence, and then Hunter, uh, Hunter dropped one there late, which almost doomed Auburn. I was going to say, you very know, crucial fumbling. Right, I mean, that, that one would have, would have been awful. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's not really on a coach, but a lot of it, it was, a lot of the way it came out, a lot of play calling there, uh, was definitely pause for concern. Nevertheless, that was negativity. You might be upset at us. Auburn won. You're right, they did win. 2-0-0. There you go.
3: Not every team in the state can say that.
1: <laughs> That's true. Of course, he's referencing UAB. We did take a tough one at Georgia Southern. <laughs> uh, all right. uh, we're going to take our probably final timeout of the show. When we come back, best and worst of the weekend and a little bit later, Nightly TV Guide. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say Alexa, "Play Sports Call Auburn." I'm Trevon Reed, former
7: Auburn Tiger football player, national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: back to sports call Tiger 95.9 Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon starting to wind things down a little bit coming up just a second best and worst of the weekend so good to have football back and again it's this time of year that you, you do this for because we've mainly only talked to callers and talked about Auburn Cow we've had a splash of Alabama Texas but We still got a a whole other slate of games uh, from the weekend to talk about. Probably tomorrow when we hit on the SEC stuff, when we hit on the national stuff. And then, by the way, the National Football League's back, and there's a big Monday night game tonight uh, in the AFC East between Buffalo and the Jets. And uh, that's going to be fun too. But not much word on the NFL either, unless it's in somebody's best and worst of the weekend. So, uh, oh, nope, Tom just rose it. Uh, excuse me raised his hand raised the hand I kept trying to say rose the hand that's incorrect Raise the hand and so uh, okay so we will have NFL here in just a second but again that's why this time of year is uh, a lot more fun I think everyone can agree and always don't run out of anything to talk about but time now for best and worst of the weekend now time for the best woohoo and worst
0: no no, no, of the weekend.
1: That's the no, no, no that uh, Steve was referring to earlier. Um, by the way, he watched the – God,
3: such a, such a great in. episode of The Office, too. Such an excellent moment.
1: Can I tell myself and tell you I've never watched The Office all the way through? I've watched, Ugh. like, random episodes here it's and there, a,
3: It's a later season when it happens, but, like, Toby, who's head of HR, leaves the company – for like a season or so, uh-huh. and then like comes back, and that's Michael's reaction to seeing him back <laughs> yeah. in the office. It's so good because Michael just hates Toby because Toby's uh-huh. human resources, and yeah, HR Ma- and yeah, Michael sees that as like the fun stopper. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a great moment. Thank you for the context. All right, best and worst. Leave
1: it up to you guys.
2: You want to go best or worst first? I I'll start out with my best, and, okay. and my best is with the Auburn Cal game. But it's the the Auburn crowd that that made that long trip. And I mean, you you've seen all the videos out there, the celebration at the end. That was a wall of orange that was out there, and then you could hear even before the game. Uh, Social media was a buzz with people talking about how many Auburn fans were there. They were hearing the Cal folks talking about it. they have not seen visiting crowds show up out there like that. Uh, security guards saying that they've never seen anything like it. And then you see the videos and, I mean, just that huge section of orange uh, that made that trip all the way out there to California. That, that was something special. Hugh Freeze made it a point to make mention of that to the players in his post-game uh, talk with them uh saying that you know that 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 doesn't happen everywhere they that that type of support doesn't happen all the time with other schools miss yeah exactly (laughs) so that that for 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 as crap as that game was even though you did came out with a win that that auburn turnout was special Uh, that really really was special and i know it meant a lot for those players
3: My best of the weekend. We are going to talk about college football. Not Auburn, though. And, in fact, we are going to go to the Division II level. Excellent. Uh, Colorado Mesa. I don't know who they were playing. Fair. But uh, a a sweep is called. They're in the red zone on offense. A sweep is called. Running back gets hit in the backfield. He fumbles the football. And the pulling offensive lineman, Cooper Mumford. Oh, I saw this. Ball falls directly in front of him. Uh He bends down, picks it up and without breaking stride running to his left throws a touchdown pass to a receiver who was supposed to be blocking on the play <laughs> it's so weird because like he's he's a right-hander he's running to his right and i just i have the play on my phone i just keep watching it over and over he bends down behind him picks up the ball tucks it in his left arm starts running, and then just sees the receiver downfield, flips it to his other hand, and throws it on the run. Like you're and, in the backyard. Yeah, and, and, and it goes for a touchdown. So, Division two football offensive lineman, there's a touchdown pass on a called sweep. Just a, a, an incredible moment for Cooper Mumford and Colorado Mesa.
1: A modern-day Jared Lorenzen right there. There you go. Uh, that Except I, he's right-handed. I, I know, Well, but <laughs> more about the weight there. But, yeah, yeah I, true. I, true. I, I tell you what, though, that was a, a, a fun play, and I did, I did see that. Uh, my best could have been a worst if I wanted to go the media angle of it and the danger of trying to be quick to the storyline, but I want to take the positive route of this. Five days ago, last Wednesday, Mike Williams, former NFL wide receiver from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Buffalo Bills, was reported dead. He was 36 years old. A day later, the reports changed. He was on life support who had not yet passed away. He had been in a construction accident a couple weeks prior to that where he had been hit in the head by a huge beam. At the time, thought it was just a gash, but that gash would then get infected and that would what lead him to the hospital in the Tampa area and uh, being put on life support again. The reporting was that he had passed away in reality, he had been on life support. Usually, the sequence that follows is a recovery or a passing. And when you hear the phrase taken off a of life support, it's not always a good thing. But the good, the reason this is the best the weekend, is that it's because he started to breathe on his own again. And that he was taken off life support because he is able to function on his own. He had a former teammate come in and show him highlight videos that made him laugh and reminiscence. And so right now, Mike Williams is still battling for his life in a Tampa area hospital, but he is very much alive. And so the best of the weekend is that beating media reports and thoughts to the contrary. Mike Williams has not passed away yet. He has a family to go home to once he hopefully returns from the hospital. And so we're rooting Mike on the former NFL wide receiver and uh, again, breathing on his own. So that's my best of the weekend. Yeah. All right. Worst of
2: the weekend. I, I, changed my mind. I, I audibled Well, no, I gave you a slice of NFL there. Very <laughs> different yeah, yeah, of the NFL. Very, very true. Um yeah. uh, but there was another incident that happened this weekend that it takes precedence as worse over my fantasy football guys getting injured. Um the scene that happened uh in Tuscaloosa uh with the fans screaming at the Texas fan at the Texas players uh so bad that the university of alabama had to come out and make a statement on it i and these were straight up racist statements no question like this isn't oh could that be construed as racist no racist statements like full-blown racist statements that were being screamed by some of the alabama fans at some of the players and then um Uh, another a mother of a texas player came out and uh alleged that they were spit on had beer cans thrown at them uh and just bad stuff and then the university had to come university of alabama had to come out and, and put out a statement on it so uh like i said this is not now now the accusations of the stuff getting thrown at them that is just an accusation the stuff that is on video that was being said to the players—that is not an accusation. That is on video. That is 100% true. That is 100% disgusting. Be better, and that's not just be better, Alabama fans. That's just people be better. That—that's that—that is absolutely ridiculous to get yourself worked up over a daggum football game that you would make those kind of comments to a college kid, and knowing knowing damn well that you would not make that comment to that kid if you were standing face-to-face with him on the street. Yep. So be better. That, that type of crap right there cannot exist in any sort of form, fashion, in today's society. And so whoever the kids were, or guys, or whoever the heck that was that were making those comments to the Texas players, they, they need to be ashamed of themselves and check themselves.
3: Yeah, uh, Tom stole my worst. I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, the video – it's racist, it's homophobic, it is... I uh, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah I yeah, forgot called, that word. Called them words that, word that we can't say, uh, especially not on the radio. Um, just a, an overall awful scene. And I think some reports were saying that that was coming from the Alabama student section. Yeah. So kids that are currently students at Alabama. Um, I, I will say, good on the university for saying, hey, we can't accept this. Good on... I, I've seen a lot of Alabama fans also saying hey, this isn't cool. We need to find these guys so they can be kicked out of the university. And I think that a lot of people, uh, since that video has emerged, they have responded in the right way. But the fact that it happened at that game and no one stopped them there, um, the fact that this was not one guy saying one thing one time. This was... The video is about 45 seconds long, so who knows how how long it actually went on for. But Um, multiple young men screaming these slurs and these racist statements and uh, just really, really awful, awful things uh, were said at that game. And again, like Tom said, football is important. We all know that. But at some point we've got to take perspective and go, hey, these are human beings playing a game, and if you can't control yourself, then you don't belong in this society.
1: I changed my worst listening to you guys. Uh, my worst was going to be something kind of innocent, uh, which was big noon kickoff for Fox, uh, <laughs> leaving Champaign, Illinois on the, uh, on the altar and going back to Colorado for a third consecutive week when they had already previously planned to go to Champaign. I think that's kind of low to tell someone you're going to go somewhere, make a big deal about their game and then pivot f- uh, five or six days before. Cause you know, ESPN's going there anyway. Uh, saw another video, speaking of videos being seen, saw a video at Auburn last night. Oh, yes. And yeah. this was really yeah. bad. And so this is my worst, now that uh, we're talking about videos, of a kid beating to a pulp someone in a parking lot near the university at one of the apartment com- complexes last night. And uh, a female going up, trying to break up the fight, and then her getting slammed to the ground by that guy as the guy continues to beat up the guy he was originally beating up. to I mean, just absolutely. Sh- Something you would see out of an action movie with someone with a vengeance against somebody just trying to beat them to a pulp. And the whole time, my worst is one for that guy beating up those two people. The other worst is for the people that are videoing not doing it. anything about it and saying, quote, let it happen. Yeah, You don't let someone getting beat to death. Right. Just let it happen. That's the thing that's messed up with society now is I, I hate I'm going on this preachy thing in the show, but it's so, it's so much about, it's like a Black Mirror episode where it's like everyone is wanting to be able to post something popular or just just be able to show something crazy rather than try to do the right thing when they see something's going wrong. And I don't know, maybe after the fact they called the police or something, I, I mean, we won't know because the camera turned off. But the, the reaction should not have been, let it happen and film for the next 60 to 90 seconds. Right. The reaction should have been immediately what's going on? They're having a dispute. Oh no, he's on the ground. He's beating up this this person. Oh no! Now he's hit a, a a girl, and now he's beating the pulp the guy again. You need to call somebody. You need to call the police at that point. So uh, I know these are uh, the very non sports things, but it's also it's like common human this etiquette, society thing, right? Exactly. To yeah. do the right thing and not quote let it happen in either
3: one yeah. of these cases. The the guy in that video should be charged with attempted murder. That it, that was one hundred percent what it was. He was. No. There there was no win the fight and move on. The fight was won. The guy was not getting up. No. Under any circumstance. No. And the guy just continued to wail on him. That is, he, he came, it looked like he was trying to end that guy's life. Yeah. And... and yeah, you, you, that's. It, do, do you they, know all any follow-ups to that? Did they, I, ca- I haven't seen anything. I'm sure there's an investigation going I,
2: that, on. I I saw a news story uh, said that there is an investigation. They're looking. It said that sent two people to the hospital. So apparently, uh, yeah, medical that, was email, eventually yeah, called yeah. to them. Uh, and they they ended up going to the hospital, but yeah, I mean I think they're reaching out for uh, for assistance and who that may have been. Yeah. So uh, there there's that, and then the. I mean, man, we're just living in a bad, bad time in society where stuff's going on. I mean, there's a police are looking for – police are currently in town. They're looking for uh, whoever this is that keeps, like, sneaking up behind girls and grabbing them and groping them and things like that. I mean, th- there was another – in-
3: I got that email today, actually. There was yeah.
2: another incident last night. It sounded like they had one guy in custody for potentially one that happened downtown, but then apparently there was another incident last night that that happened. Um this, man, just bad people in this world right yeah. now. So
1: that's our worst of the weekend. The very worst. Remind me, next week we'll end more positive so we don't end on <laughs> such a somber tone. But uh, also, of course, uh, more more horrible things. It is 9-11, and, uh, again, 22 years ago is when this all occurred. Uh, Brant and I are young enough not to have vivid memories, although I do remember being dropped off at school that day. My mom was texting me about it earlier today uh but again a a truly horrific day in this country 22 years ago uh and also i want to take this opportunity Uh, i do it from time to time we should really do it all the time but I want to thank you, Tom, and everything that you do with your firefighting, with sure. your department, with I appreciate all the first responders out there, because those are the people that saved a lot of lives on 9-11 and made a incredibly, impossibly difficult situation a little less difficult because of the lives they did save and the sacrifices, in some ways, their lives, several lives that they sacrificed, as well, and families that uh, did not have their husband or, or wife returned to them. Yeah. Uh, so, again, thank you for what you do and what your department does and everything for the city of Auburn.
2: I, I, I appreciate that. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's something that all firefighters and all first responders, it's an incident that everybody looks at and realizes that it could very easily have been them. And it could very easily be you. And, you know, when you take on that role and, and do that, you never really know you because your job is to go in. Um, you... You, you can see the dangers you can understand the dangers but there's a job that has to be done and there's people that just do that um and so i always look at myself and thought, if i was a firefighter in the fdny on 9-11 i would have gone into those towers because that's what i would have been trained to do that's what you do is it scary is it dangerous sure also there was not the thought that hey these towers are going to completely fall in and collapse on themselves. I mean, that doesn't go through your head. You have to be careful of that, but you know, it, it but it's one of those things. I mean, that's your job. You start climbing. That the the fire and the people that are in danger are up there and start climbing. And I would have done the same. I would have been right there with those guys. Uh That's just what we do. Um, But there's a lot of, you know, other stories out there aside from uh, everybody focuses on New York because of that. But you also got to remember the Pentagon uh, and and the lives that were lost there. And then the lives from uh, Flight 93 that were lost uh, that kind of took over the plane and and they, you know, it crashed uh, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of just terrible loss of life. And then, yeah, it's a day that – for somebody that was my age you know college age and in school here at auburn at the time is something that will uh it's a day that everybody remembers where they were at what they were doing when they heard about it and like vivid pictures of throughout the day uh on the events and all that happened so uh it, it's a tough day but it's a it's also a day um as a first responder that uh you you mourn but you're also you know, you kind of take pride in the things that you do because you also like i said you understand that you would have been there with those guys and you know it, it's it's something special that we do uh you know with your, your brothers and sisters by your side to take on those challenges and, and and to go into danger like that and so you know i i appreciate everybody's thoughts with that but you know my thoughts are with everybody else out there and and then all the families that still struggle to this day that we're uh, a part of that that maybe you know no loss of life but they were still there a part of it uh in fact the owners uh the owners of the uh, philly connection down here uh he was in one of the towers and escaped out and and now they help out all first responders especially on 9-11 great family they help us out at southwest fire department all the time so there's stories like that uh all over this country so it, it's a it's a day of remembrance um It's definitely a day of remembrance and kind of reflection on back on on that day and and what it meant to everybody then and today.
1: Absolutely. Again, a a day we will obviously never forget. But, again, uh, thanks to all those that did make the ultimate sacrifice on uh, on that horrific day. Ending the show right now, the quick sports call nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, Iron Man 3, 6 o'clock on FX, Pirates of the Caribbean 5 at 7 o'clock on TNT. That one's Dead Men Tell No Tales. NFL Buffalo Bills, New York Jets, 715 on ESPN, and Guardians of the Galaxy, 949 on Showtime. That will do it for the show today. Brant, thank you for being here, sir. Hope you have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for having me. And, Tom Peavy, thank you for again being on the show and everything that you do. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'll be here. That will do it for the show this afternoon. Again, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan Lavoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.